By lying about his net worth, Donald Trump and the Trump Organization were able to get these loans for much better terms than they should have. The banks thought Donald Trump had more money than he did, so they offered him loans at lower interest rates. <laughs> As a result, over the years, the Trump Organization derived unfair financial benefits from banks alone in the amount of $168 million. The Trump's main point of contact at the bank told us that she had never looked at the fraudulent statements of financial condition at the center of our case. By lying about his net worth, Donald Trump Just gonna and let the Trump it play one more time. were able to get these loans for much better terms than they should have. Mm -hmm. The banks thought Donald Trump had more money than he did, so they offered him loans at lower interest rates. I've got to pause it. I've got to pause it there. Never take an economics course from a filthy communist, okay? <laughs> they thought he had more money than he had, so they charged him less interest than they would have had they known that he had less money than they thought he had when they... But moving on. The theory of the case in November. He lied to the banks who gave him a preferential rate because they thought he had more money than he had. Fast forward a month. As a result, over the years, the Trump Organization derived unfair financial benefits mm -hmm. from banks alone in unfair. the of unfair. $168 million. The Trump's main point of contact <laughs> at the bank told us that she had never looked at the fraudulent statements of financial condition at the center of our case. I, I mean, I feel like I'm living through idiocracy. Oh, okay, I don't want to get too far into that because uh, we're going to talk about that with Barnes. For those of you who are following me on Rumble, whoever's still on YouTube, I've gone back to the vlog, the short vlog, because this weekend I had an inordinate amount of time spent waiting. And time is never wasted. I, I, mean, I don't want to tell people this. You know, so long as I have an uh, internet connection or even my phone, I can work anywhere and I can make productive use out of time that other people would say, oh, just I sat, I sat there waiting. Sat there waiting? I was waiting for a vehicle yesterday. You know, things beyond our control. Um, I made a video. I researched into Derek Chauvin. We'll talk about that tonight as well. I made a video yesterday. Today, flipping kids want to go to Target. I, I've got two kids this weekend. My wife has got another one somewhere else. I got, they, they want to go to Target. I'm not going to Target. Go into Target. I'll park the car right here. I'm gonna make a video, and I did, and it was Tissue McCommunist over there, uh, and New York Nipple Judge Engeron, I mean, proving that they're stupid beyond, they're not stupid, proving that they are corrupt beyond words. We'll get into that. What I wanted to start with was an alternative um, starting. I just, I felt guilty because I should give you the advance warning. There will be uh, D-bombs, D-I-C-K, D-I-C-K, there will be an F-bomb, and there will be a PP, which, it's not really a bomb of anything. It's so flipping funny. It's so flipping funny uh, that it needs to be shared. We need to start off with a good laugh. They only need to watch about a minute of it. The last 30 seconds is kind of useless. But we're talking about the Trump thing in greater detail when Barnes gets here so he can tell me how smart I am. For now, we're going to have a good laugh. Alrighty, alrighty. Follow, watch. Oh, that's great. You can't see what the memes are? Well, that kind of, seems kind of silly. Hold on, if I make so it. So if you're ready, let's go for the million. If Bob Iger was in the room with you right now, what would you say to him? Eat a bag of dicks? <laughs> Suck on my pee-pee? Disney Plus is gay? Go fuck yourself. Um, it's the suck on my pee-pee. I mean, <laughs> it's, the, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, I'd like to use one of my lifelines and phone a friend. Okay, who would you like to call? 
I'd like to call Bob Iger. Lofty oh, pixels. Man. Our friends at be... AT&T will get Bob Iger on the line, and we'll see if he can help you. Oh, you know what's going to happen? Hello. Hello. You know, you know what's going to happen? YouTube is going to claim this because it's using the music from, it has the, oh, I'm going to contest the living bejesus out of that. Okay, sorry, we're just going to go. And he's talking to Bob Iger. For those of you who can't see this because you're listening on podcast, Bob Iger is in a fiery pit of hell. Bob? Yeah. Hi, Regis Philbin here from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Hi. We've got Elon Musk with us right now. He's won a half million dollars. Wow. And he's going for a million dollars. What's so good about this is that it's AI voices, I presume, or someone who does voiceover, and actual clips. So it's so so (laughs) genius. And And he needs your help to get there. Okay. So, come on the line. Read a question, four possible answers. One of them is the right answer. Elon, you've got 30 seconds. Starts right now. Hey, Bob. Hi. I don't really need your help. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to win the million dollars. Impeccable. Go fuck yourself. He's won a million dollars. Okay. There was a little more there that I, I, I cut it preemptively. Fantastic. Lofty was the quartering Jeremy video editor. Now Lofty is G-H-A-Y. Why is he? Um, that's fantastic. I didn't know that. I didn't know that about Lofty. And I didn't know that the guy who was in that montage of uh, Dana White, uh, Tucker Carlson, and Elon Musk saying, go F yourselves. I didn't know that that guy, I mean, I knew who he was. I'd seen him around, but didn't know he was hilarious. They're going, yeah. All right. So uh, Golden is right. Kiki Lo- kick lofty. What does that mean? Kick lofty. I don't want to pull up a, ch- uh, a chat that's offensive and I don't know why. Not that I- I'll pull it up if it's offensive and I know why. Don't want to make a, you know, career-ending uh, mistake by having pulled up a comment that I did not know was contextually the most vile, offensive thing imaginable. Good evening, everyone. Oh, um, what was I going to say? Good evening, Derek Chauvin, stabbed twenty-two times in jail by an FBI informant. Uh, the Trump trial continues. The world continues to burn. But I, 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 I don't want to give anybody false white pill hope here. I, um, I'm optimistic. Now, hold on one second. This I'm going to deal with. Jittery Hobo says Locals is not working. Is Viva aware? Hold on one second. Why would that be? Okay, no, everything is, hold on, hold on. So let me, let me, let me, for those of you who don't know if you're new here because you've seen two short videos that I put out over the weekend, we go live on um, YouTube, Rumble, and vivabarnslaw.locals.com. And people in vivabarns.locals.com are telling me that it's not working. There is no after show, hold on a second, let me just see. Is it working? End stream. No, no, no. So give me one second. I'll, I'll figure this out. Like, it, it's, it's, it's almost comical, but I, I set it up and I've entered. No, I see myself right there. What's, what are you guys talking about? Locals is working? Oh, these troll j- Jittery hobo. If this was a troll, I'll tell you one thing. I might suspend you for five minutes and never look at one of your comments again. No. If it's not working, refresh it because Locals was having uh, tech issues today. They were down for maintenance. They seem to be back now, but Instagram is not working because I ain't on Instagram. And if anybody's watching and you know me on Facebook and you're still DMing me on Facebook, I haven't been able to access my Facebook since I left Canada. And I keep getting emails saying, you got a notification from X, Y, and Z and they're friends of mine and I can't reach them because um, 
because I don't have access to my Facebook because the two-step verification keeps sending a text message to a cell number that I no longer use. Well done. I've reached out and it doesn't work. Okay, all that to say, people, um, good evening. So we, we start on YouTube, Rumble, and Locals. We end on YouTube at about a half an hour in. Uh, everyone comes over to Rumble, the free speech platform, where we carry on with the rest of the stream. After the stream is over, we end it on Rumble and go to vivabarnslaw.locals.com for the after party. We take uh, tipped questions there, answer questions, dialogue, in, and we have a few extra um, subject matters that, um, that we get into there. Viva, Chris Banks says, Viva, never believe anyone who tells you the stream is down. True, but it's happened before that I didn't believe them and the stream was actually down. So that's why... All right, all right, where is it here? <laughs> okay. Oh, let's see. we got a good show tonight. Barnes is going to come in. Before we do that, I had another video in the backdrop that I was going to bring up. Uh, and I, well, look, once we're getting copy claimed on YouTube, uh, let's, let's go, let's go all in and get copy claimed. Cause you know, you can't, there's no, there's no fair use in YouTube. They, they don't give a sweet bugger all. You play 20 seconds. You do what is patently fair use. They don't care. Copyright trolls come in and say, Hey, we'll take the, uh, we'll take the revenue from that video. You used our video and you commentated on it or you used 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 15 seconds. We'll take that hard earned, um, uh, viewership that you got. doesn't matter. Uh, Fetterman. It's, it's weird. It's very weird. Fetterman, to quote Elon Musk, spoke actual truth the other day on The View, no less. It must have blown their, 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 their itty bitty demented brains into like, Fetterman, I thought you were one of us. How dare you? This is going to relay into a subject that we're going to talk about tonight. Santos being expelled from Congress. And uh, you've also been calling for to get rid of uh, Menendez, I know. Um, but first, before we talk about that, what's your reaction to the exp expulsion? Well, it's like uh, I'm not surprised, but but to me, I think the the more important picture is is that we have a colleague in the Senate that actually did much more sinister and, and serious kinds of things. Uh, Senator Menendez, uh, he needs to go. Um, and if you are going to expel Santos, how can you allow to somebody like Menendez to remain in the Senate? And you know, Santos's kind of lies were almost you know funny and like you know he. You know, it's, it's, an, it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, the difference between being a liar of a politician, which is all of them, being a liar and a criminal fraudster of a politician, allegedly, you know, like taking campaign funds and paying for personal items. I, I don't know where, you know, is a haircut a per... I know there's, you know, generally accepted accounting principles for all of this. Haircut, you know, probably a, a, a campaign thing, maybe legitimate. Botox... Adult websites, maybe not so much. Uh, maybe arguably so. You know, he's, he's on, he's traveling. Why not? Uh, but Menendez selling out, you know, his, his voice in American politics to Egypt is a bit different. But, and, and Fetterman is, if this is the real Fetterman, he seems very sharp. His delivery is very, no, I'm joking. I know what I think. It doesn't matter what I think. It matters what I can prove. Ended on the, the moon and that kind of stuff. Uh, whereas, <laughs> whereas, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, Menendez, I think, is really a senator for Egypt, you know, not New Jersey. Uh, so I, 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 I really think he needs to go. And uh, especially it's kind of strange that if Santos uh, is not allowed to remain in the House, you know, someone like that. Yeah. Are you, though, uncomfortable with the fact that there hasn't been an adjudication that while he's been charged, there hasn't been a conviction? Menendez. With Menendez. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Does that logic not apply exactly to Santos, Madam uh, Massive Brain, Big Brain? You know, they, they say like a big brain is useless if it's a smooth brain. 
It's the, it's the wrinkles in the brain that create brain connectivity, at least according to my wife. Are you afraid that with Menendez, there hasn't been an adjudication? I'm sorry. Uh, has Santos been indicted? I asked that, actually. I don't know if Santos has been indicted. It doesn't matter. They, they, they don't have standards. They have lawlessness. And by they, I mean... I, 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 I am. I, I am. And it's like he has the right uh, to, for his, his day in court and all that. But he doesn't have the right to, to have those kind of votes and things that... Uh, yeah. that's, not, that's not a right. And, and I think uh, we need to make that kind of decision to uh, send him out. Well, I, I, I'll color me shocked. Uh, Santos indicted. Has Santos been indicted yet? Indicted Republican lawmaker George Santos expelled. From... Oh, so they both seem to have quite similar um, fact patterns. Mutatis mutandis. Oh, Lordy. Okay, until Barnes gets here, this so the standard disclaimers, no medical advice, no legal advice. But we're going to talk about some election stuff tonight. Uh, all of these beautiful things here, these super chats, YouTube takes 30% of them. Uh, Rumble has these things called Rumble rants. They only take 20% of them when they do for the rest of the year they're not taking any of the rumble rents so you want to support the channel that's the place to do it the best way to do it vivabarnslaw.locals.com what did cheryl say here i want to send a super chat about a video we posted that concerns your logo but they keep telling me to edit it um just uh put a comment in and i'll look for it uh and i'll ask everyone else to flag it to me viva fry laser cutout Looks like Fetterman clone number 14 went rogue. <laughs> He's got, <laughs> I'm not saying the last part. I don't want anyone misconstruing words as violence here. Uh, the, I, I know the, um, I, yeah, I, I know the rumors. Uh, hold on one second. And we got Big Pete S says, Santos was removed because he votes mega. It, it is, what, has, um, has the other guy, has Menendez not been removed yet? Anyhow, it's, it's amazing. Fetterman is actually speaking truth, making sense. Whether or not you think that that is actual Fetterman, he, he seems to be getting better from whatever um, illness afflicted him a while back, which is good. Let's see here. Santos was expelled because he lied during his campaign. If that is the standard, all of Congress should be expelled. Um, my face is itchy right here. No, I think Santos is a little bit different because he's alleged to have misappropriated campaign funds for personal use. But <laughs> I mean, all right, it doesn't matter. Uh, what else did I have on the backdrop before we get into... Um, uh, our show for the evening when Robert gets here. Let me just make sure that I, I did. I did send Robert the link. I know I did. All right. There's one more. Th one more video that's making the rounds, and um, I'm not convinced that it makes DeSantis look as bad as some might. Um, you know, some might interpret it. I understand the critique of the answer to this question. I will share my personal opinion of this afterwards, but just a, a random video of DeSantis not answering a question that was asked to him, and according to many, uh, answering the question wholly uh, unacceptably. You bring up former President Trump, so let me ask you about the GOP frontrunner. Mr. Trump is campaigning on the idea of retribution. He's promising to jail his political enemies if he's reelected. He's also referred to some of his political opponents as vermin, language that people, frankly, across the political spectrum say harkens back to Nazi Germany. Oh, oh, the things I would say to that journalist if I were given the opportunity. I would be the best, uh, I wouldn't be the best politician, I would just be the best uh, debater, the best shutter down of bullshit. Um, oh, he said vermin. Oh, I'm sorry. So is, de is deplorables the better, um, the, the better euphemism? We don't want to sound just like Nazis, uh, as if no one else has used the word vermin before. So let's just call them deplorables. Let's just pull a Trudeau and say, should we be, should they be tolerated? Oh, no, no. But he said, he said vermin. 
and politics about politicians, by the way, not about people. Doesn't matter. Okay. Do you think that kind of language is presidential? Well, I think even beyond that, the issue is, is why are you running? Are you running for your personal issues? Or are you running for the American people's issues? All right. Now, I don't know if there was a hard edit that I don't know about from the original, because that's one hell of a deflection from the question. Well, above and beyond whatever you just said, which I'm not going to address, but tacitly uh, approve. Is it presidential? Is it? I love how people think presidential is saying the terrible things politely, as opposed to just saying the truth impolitely. Most politicians are beyond vermin because at least vermin have a use and a function in the world, in the ecosystem. I mean, they, they, I, I'd call them like, you know, big bags of, of feces. But even feces has a practical use in the ecosystem and that does not result in the destruction of everything around it. They're parasites. Can, can we call politicians parasites? Or is that hearkening too much of Nazi? Do I have to compliment them now? How about if every time I compliment them, you know that I'm calling them vermin and parasites? Can we, can, can we agree to that game? Okay, it doesn't matter. And I'm running for the American people's issues. And now part of that is this government is out of control. We have seen weaponization of agencies like the DOJ and the FBI and the IRS. I like, I I'm like. And that weaponization. But that's not because I'm doing it for me. It's because I'm doing it for the people uh, that have been uh, under the thumb uh, of these agencies. Num the number one problem when, making, when arguing is presuming intentions. You can't prove it. It's just a personal attack. And... It's a dumb thing to do. What, what is the, DeSantis could make this exact same point without presupposing sinister or selfish underlying motivations for which Trump is running. I mean, what, what's, what's he suggesting here? Trump is running for personal reasons now because he's being indicted and he sees it as his only way to get out of this. What DeSantis is recognizing as a weaponized DOJ? Did, did Trump run for personal reasons in 2016? Is DeSantis running for personal reasons now? When anyone makes these types of accusations of intent, it doesn't make me, as a critical thinker, believe the accusation. It makes me suspect it of the individual. And mm, it doesn't matter, but he's right about the weaponized DOJ, except he then says, well, let's just live with that and let Trump uh, be, you know, torn apart by the weaponized uh, dogs of the DOJ. Am I allowed to call them dogs or is that, uh, is that also inappropriate? and I'm going to restore the rule of law. So I think if Donald Trump is saying his whole thing is retribution for himself. Oh, that's what it is. That's uh, well, what, what it about is. all the other people uh, that have had issues with that? Is that somebody, are those people he's going to be standing up with? So I don't think you can say it's about your enemies. I think you've got to say it's about the American people's future. And the goal is to end weaponization, period, and to have a single standard of justice employed, not to basically do what we don't like is being done now, just in a Governor. different direction. Can you imagine, how hard would it have been to say everything about that without imputing ill intentions to Trump running in 2024? As if when he ran in 2016, it was for personal reasons, personal gain, financial gain. A man who didn't have to sacrifice eight years of his life at first to, uh, you know, slander, demonizing. The, the man who was the, the, the love of Hollywood, the most popular guy in television, at least at some point, becomes public enemy number one. And as if the first four years wasn't enough, now they're trying to put him in jail for having run and for having done better than demented old Joe who's walking the world towards World War III. I don't know what the news was about the warships under attack in the, um, was it the Red Sea? Oh, no, but no, he now, now DeSantis has to suggest that Trump is running for personal reasons. Even if it were true, the personal reasons would be to stay out of jail because he's being maliciously persecuted by a weaponized DOJ. So 
We can be harsh with the people that we like, and we should be. Governor, as you know, DOJ officials would reject the idea that it has been weaponized. But let me ask you about my original question, the use of the word but, vermin. But, but, are you comfortable with clear. that term? But are you comfortable with that term, Governor? Let me let me just say on the DOJ. Well, first of all, I'm responsible for my what I say, and, and I say things differently. But on the DOJ and the with FBI, that term? Let's just, I mean, just, we have just seen. Just on my question, though, Governor. Excuse me. What I, Here's what the I'm answer. Not, what I'm not yes. Moving on. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't call them vermin. Can I call them parasites, bloodsuckers, uh, cronies? Or no? Oh, can they only call us people deplorables? No. Comfortable with is FBI agents uh, going after parents going to school board meetings. I'm not comfortable with DOJ FBI working with tech companies to censor dissent. I'm not comfortable with how this has been, power has been exercised. And you have an agency that is very political. People say- All right, we'll get that, we'll get that out of here. Um, all right, how do I get this out of here? Well, until Barnes gets here, let's talk about what did I just do? I thought I just shut the whole stream down. Um, Barnes will get here in a second. Let me just read some of the super chats that came up here. Oh, let's, let's talk about the globalists exploiting the negligent monoparty are trying to make, quote, competition, end quote, synonymous with, quote, criminal, end quote. What's sad is how people cheer it on. Well, by the way, snuggle struggle. Um, if you're following Canadian politics and Canadian media, apparently the term globalist is uh, a dog whistle for anti-Semites. This is according to journalist Dale Smith out of Canada, journo underscore Dale on Twitter. The use of the word globalist is a dog whistle for uh, anti-Semites. And I said, if that's a dog whistle for anti-Semitism, that presupposes that you uh, believe that Jews are behind globalism. I don't think that's the case at all, by the way. I think the number one globalist of all time is Klaus Schwab, who, from what I understand, is not Jewish, although there are some rumors, which I think are unsubstantiated and disproven, that his mother was the Rothschild from the Rothschild family. But uh, it's, it's incredible. They, they want to destroy anybody who... It's always been that way, though. It's always been that way, but not to the extent that they want to destroy them and put them in jail. That was like Eastern European, Soviet-level, uh, Banana Republic-level stuff. You know, they'd always try to destroy you, defame you, uh, harass you, you know, shame you into not getting into politics. That's why we only end up with psychopaths, narcissists, and the worst of all people in politics, because it deters good people from participating. Um, but that's what it is. But they never stooped to this level, trying to put the political opponent in jail, literally, while crying that if he gets into power, he's going to put us in jail, so we better put him in jail first, while trying to put their family in jail. There's never been anything like this, at least in my, in my lived experience in Canada and the United States. Two Dogs Mike D says, How is MSNBC not getting sued for election interference? Her and Jen Psaki are flat out lying about Trump, saying he'll throw political opposition in prison. I don't get it. What's your legal opinion? It's, a, the, the, it's hyperbolic opinion. I don't think anybody really takes it seriously. And they're saying it's a fear of what might happen. You know, they're, they're saying he's going to go after them. I think they'll, they'll wiggle out of it on opinion, hyperbole. No one's taken it seriously, literally, like when Tucker Carlson said the extortion thing. Uh, but that's it. If anyone could be shown to be working against their own personal benefit, it's Trump. Maybe DeSantis is too, but that doesn't prove Trump isn't. Working against their... No, I think someone would say that uh, DeSantis' work is... If anyone's going to accuse someone of running for their own personal benefit, people are going to accuse DeSantis of that. 
By virtue of running, he sells a book deal. By virtue of running, he gets FU money for the rest of his life, although 10 million, that's not Elon Musk FU money. That's, that, you know, that might be comfortable for the rest of your life. Uh, but some people would accuse DeSantis of running for his own personal gain, knowing that he's got zero chance of winning at this point in time. So, you know, confession through projection. When you got one finger pointing at someone else, there are three right pointing back at you and one pointing up at the sky or the, whatever. You know what I'm getting at. Okay, Barnes is in the house and he's looking dapper. He's making me jealous. I should probably wear a suit and tie one day. I'm not going to. All right, let's bring on the Barnes. Stabilize the audio. Make sure it's good. Sir, how goes the battle? Uh, good, good. You look younger. Did you get a trim? Uh, maybe. Okay, because whenever I, I say whatever remember. I <laughs> Oh, well, I, uh, considering the week you had last week, Robert, I can sort of understand what... Oh, we're going to get into some stuff tonight. Let me just make sure. So you, you say something, or tell us what book you have behind you. I'm going to read the chat to see if the audio levels match up. Sure. So the, uh, the book is Attorney uh, for the Damned, uh, Clarence Darrow's, uh, in his own words, biography of Clarence Darrow, the famous... Uh, defense lawyer, civil rights lawyer, uh, back at the beginning of the uh, turn of the century, uh, a man whose advocacy was not generally welcomed by the uh, judiciary of his time, uh, often was targeted. They tried to put him in prison a couple of times on bogus contempt charges. So they uh, tried to disbar him a couple of times as well. Uh, so it's just a reminder that we, you know, people read about the, the legendary lawyers of the past. What they don't know is those lawyers were frequently targeted by the system for individualized uh, harassment, which might have some application to some topics we're discussing <laughs> oh, tonight. We'll get into it, Robert. Tell us what the menu is, and then we'll get into one or two here and then move on over to Rumble. So we first up, we got the expulsion of Congressman Santos. Second, we got all the different Trump news. Uh, the evidence of how fake that trial is in New York was exposed this week. The reinstatement of a gag order without explanation for the New York Court of Appeals, while the other gag order awaits a resolution from the uh, D.C. Court of Appeals. Multiple decisions on immunity, uh, deciding that Trump somehow uniquely doesn't have immunity from either civil suit or criminal indictment, according to either the D.C. Court of Appeals or the District Court. Pick, take your pick. Uh, we'll talk about those case updates. Uh, selective prosecution. Uh, when do you get a free get out of jail free card? It's interesting who it is applied to. The man most being selectively prosecuted against Donald Trump, somehow there is no selective prosecution. But if illegal immigrants are being arrested in Texas by Texas state authorities, well, that sounds like selective prosecution, according to the Texas courts, and you can't do that. Uh, then we have uh, Texas Attorney General Paxton continuing to prove he's the only legitimate attorney general in the entire country as he brings prosecution against Pfizer for its lies about COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, the Texas border dispute, uh, it looks like they will not be able to use buoys to prevent illegal immigration uh, across the river, according to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Supreme Court, we got some big cases, a case that's about the, the opioid settlement, the Sackler mm -hmm. settlement. It's fascinating. But really, it's much bigger uh, because it's about the power of bankruptcy courts. And it's a decision that could completely rewrite what bankruptcy courts have been accustomed to doing for decades now. Uh, uh, Robert Kennedy moves to intervene in the U.S. Supreme Court's Missouri versus Biden decision. Supreme Court chose to relist it. They should let him in because he's got unique interests that only he can properly vindicate. The uh, ta uh, big takings case on rent control laws and a Fourth Amendment case of my own that will be up before the court on Monday. Uh, it's a long shot to take, but who knows? Maybe the Supreme Court will finally find a little bit of justice in him. The uh, egg price fixing uh, verdict came in on that. We discussed that before. Big ruling on Wisconsin absentee ballots. 
out of the Wisconsin trial court that will impact 2024. Venezuela says they own Guyana uh, right around the time they found some oil there. Uh, <laughs> that may, may lead to conflict there. They're going voting today on whether to just go and seize a big part of it. Guy- uh, Guyana, Guyana to be distinguished from Ghana. And I was confused while I started reading. I was like, wait a minute. Like, I'm no geomathematician, but I thought Ghana was in Africa. It is. Guyana is bordering with Venezuela. So we'll, we'll get there. Exactly. Uh, uh, the NIL money, name, image, and likeness money, and other money that goes to benefit college football, the college football playoff was controversially picked today. Well, the uh, women athletes are claiming uh, they, like they're taking a, a card out of the women's soccer team uh, book. They're saying that uh, college football men should not be getting all those special benefits, even though it's entirely market-driven, and that uh, they have to strip Oregon's football program of all of its perks unless women get the exact same perks. The women's volleyball team surely is as important as the men's football team. I, I got they my line questions. up around the corner to watch those women play volleyball. Uh, maybe at USC they do. I don't know about Oregon. The uh, uh, Madison Square Garden's liquor license uh, in jeopardy because of its targeting of lawyers who sue them. I think I'm on that list, apparently. I don't know if I'm in their biometric system or not to exclude me from the venue. Haven't tried since then. Uh, and then judge a, a federal judge in Arkansas threatening a, a certain lawyer for filing a Nuremberg claim. According to this judge, uh, you can American courts, you can kill a Nazi, but you can't sue a Nazi. And if you claim you can sue a Nazi, you need to be sanctioned, you terrible human being, in between going and uh, picking up his latest pocket change from a certain company, maybe, in Arkansas. We'll be discussing conflicts of interest that sometimes happen on the federal bench. Amazing. And by the way, if anyone's look, if my, if I look like I'm creaking to one side, my, the pain in my sciatic has now moved to the left side of my neck because I think when I'm jogging to compensate for that, I pulled some, and I tweaked something, so it hurts. But my sciatic is a little better, so I guess there's some blessings. Robert Santos, the news of the days that he was voted expelled from Congress on Friday. It was not even close in terms of a vote. I, I forget how many they needed versus how many they got, but not even close in terms of a vote. He's been indicted. He hasn't been convicted. Uh, There was an ethics report that came out that said he had misappropriated funds from his campaign for personal use. The uh, examples that they gave were Botox and adult film stuff that I think he might have been renting, I don't know, or website that he was paying a subscription for. And uh, they held a vote to kick him out, which it's, it's very shocking in a sense that I guess it's only happened, what, six times in the history of America, three times since the Civil War. Uh, what are the other reasons for which they say it's bad strategy? He was kicked out of New York. He's a Republican, which means that there's going to be one less Republican congressman. And, well, uh, I don't understand how it means that they have a half one for now. But when they hold the re-election or the emergency, whatever election is to replace him, if it goes Democrat, the Republicans lose a seat in the House. Republicans you know, seem to be playing by principle, not strategy. Uh, and I don't know where Menendez is. And I don't know, you know, they have enough uh, enough information to yeet Santos from Congress, but apparently they lack sufficient basis to file impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden. Make it make sense and also tell people, I mean, is it, is it justified, which I, I think it is, but tactically uh, incongruent, or is it just uh, double standards? Uh, it, it's definitely double standards. I think it's also unconstitutional. The, the problem I have with it is what the Constitution allows is two me- mechanisms by which a member of the House cannot be a member of the House when they've been elected by their constituents to be a member of the House. One is exclusion. Exclusion is under the Powell decision of the U.S. Supreme Court only permitted 
if the person doesn't constitutionally qualify. And they've considered those qualifications as the only qualifications, the ones itemized in the Constitution, which, by the way, is analogous precedent for the Trump ballot access, in my view, that similarly, you can't exclude someone that doesn't uh, unless they don't meet the explicit qualifications. And the insurrection clause is not one of those qualifications. Uh, so the uh, so they, they couldn't exclude them. There's no dispute about that. The only thing they could do is expel them. Their power to expel is only for violation of the rules for disorderly behavior and with two-thirds or, uh, or more concurring vote. My Dis problem— Disorderly behavior where and when? Correct. Uh, the House has interpreted that very broadly, and I've, I think they've interpreted it too broadly. Santos is not likely to contest his challenge through the court system. He may. He's facing a federal criminal indictment uh, related to a lot of the alleged conduct here. But to me, the, the only allegation that they had that he did anything wrong as a member of the House in violation of the rules was they alleged he submitted a false 2023 financial disclosure. That was it. Um, to me, that is not, given how routine and regular some uh, like that kind of violation is, that's not, is that disorderly behavior to such a degree that expulsion is warranted? Uh, I think that my problem here is they use almost 99% of the conduct they complained of concerned conduct prior to him being seated in the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. And I, that it doesn't say anything in the Constitution about prior behavior. It talks about violating the rules for disorderly conduct. That should be led as the, that should be interpreted as the sole and exclusive basis, just like the qualifications clause has been interpreted as the, that being the sole and exclusive basis for exclusion. So, in my view, uh, it violated the Constitution. Now, the Supreme Court uh, courts in general are highly unlikely to get involved in this. They got involved on the uh, seating issue because they saw that as a cleaner, clearer issue than expulsion. Uh, so they're unlike, uh, but you're correct. There's been very little historical precedent. The only people that have been previously expelled committed clear disorderly behavior conduct as members of Congress. Either they uh, joined the Confederacy uh, in an actual insurrection against the Congress and against the federal government, or uh, they, while members of Congress, they did so, or while members of Congress, they used their congressional office to commit crimes of corruption and bribery and had been convicted by a jury. Uh, all of that happened prior to their expulsion. So for them to expel Santos without any criminal trial, without any even official ethics referral for him to, to be, uh, there was an ethics report, but no referral for him to be prosecuted. When the Justice Department requested Congress defer any action on Santos, because it created, put him in a dilemma of either he keeps his seat or he gives up his Fifth Amendment rights in the criminal case, uh, because the courts have ruled that it's not double jeopardy to be subject to both prosecutions at the same time, but it raises due process, due process issues and fairness issues. But aside from all of that, it, uh, to me, the, my biggest problem with it is I didn't see a limited focus on behavior that took place while a member. I, I took the exact same position on Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, taking the position on Biden related to impeachment, that Biden can only be impeached for things he's done as president, not for things he did before he was president. But So let me play devil's advocate here, maybe literally. Uh, you'll say well, he, he did the things during the campaign, appropriating the funds, but I presume he had to ratify his campaign finances once he was in Congress. So 
I mean, maybe it's not only somewhat. I mean, that's where they have the one 2023 financial disclosure statement. But the if they had limited it to that, then then maybe there could be an argument. But they didn't. Mm -hmm. They focused almost entirely on things he did before that. That that was basically a footnote. And the all of the criminal charges, I don't believe any of them relate to any conduct that took place while he was a member of Congress. And that was almost the entire basis of the expulsion. So they're claiming Congress is now claiming they can expel people for something they did while they were not a member of Congress. And that will correlate later to our immunity discussion about with, with, with Trump. It's OK. If we're going to start carving out certain things and saying that wasn't while you're uh, a in your official duties, then how do you use your uh, official your powers to punish people for their violation of their official duties? And then you also say, oh, they're not immune because that wasn't in their official duties. For example, he has no claim of that. He wouldn't anyway, even if he'd been a member of Congress at the time. But the he has no even you know uh, colorable claim because everything he's alleged to have committed a crime happened before he was seated in the House. And I have problems with using conduct that predates the person's it, because the biggest problem with this is it's overriding the voters. Mm -hmm. It's overturning the voters' election. And the that's why I mean, Democrat will replace them because the Democrat that will be up there was the one who was going to run for governor who re previously had that seat. So it's an easy. So it's classic Republicans giving away another seat uh, to, to Democrats. The uh, but it, again, it's historically they had never done this. Historically, they'd always said it's got to be while you're a member of Congress and it's got to be a, a finding, an undisputed fact or a finding. Uh, they had neither here. And so uh, that, that this is a problematic precedent that they've set. They're now weaponizing their power to go after members of Congress. They just don't like for things that have nothing to do with their own rules. Have they? Why have they not also done this with Menendez, which seems to be a much more clear cut case? Like why, other than on the View, and it doesn't seem to have gotten more traction than that. There's no discussion about doing this to Menendez. Correct. Yeah, because Democrats aren't dumb. I mean, you know, you have a few who will say it because they and they can say it and get away with it saying he should be expelled because he actually committed crimes while he was a senator. But again, you know, he wasn't expelled the first time he was prosecuted, ended up being acquitted, got reelected because that's New Jersey. And then uh, and now he's been prosecuted again. And what, and that was Matt Gaetz's point. Uh, he's like, let Democrats uh, suspend Lautenberg for not Lautenberg, but suspend um, Menendez. Like, yeah, no. Menendez first mm -hmm. and, and before we suspend our own. Uh, but they, they, they don't even think about it. Uh, the and, and because they they they're not suicidal uh, with how they exercise political power like the Republican hierarchy is. The uh, so the the real reason they didn't like Santos is they didn't like his politics. If Santos had the politics of Liz Cheney, they would have excused and and suddenly said, you know, the principle is you never suspend someone until they've been convicted by a jury. Uh, the they completely abandoned that uh, in this context because they don't like how he votes. Is, is the real bottom line. They didn't like what the who the voters chose, uh, the Republican establishment. So they you know, politically weaponized it against a disfavored uh, dissident Republican uh, and decided to highlight. You dig in the allegations, a lot of them are really overstated. Well, he, like, they, it he, makes he, it look like all the systemic fraud, and then it becomes a, like a timing issue. Well, he said he got a loan at this time, and actually the money didn't come in until two months later. It's like, okay, who was actually defrauded here? And then some of the personal use? I mean, look at how Maxine Waters uses her campaign funds. I mean, it's Maxine also, Waters, by this ground, should have been expelled 20 years ago. But, uh, who, who, look I mean, at how I, AOC does it. Look look at how all of them do it. Look at how Elon Omar does it. I mean, they divert money directly to their family in a much more egregious, fraudulent manner.
None of them are being prosecuted. None of them are being expelled. Many of them are not even being censured. So, I mean, it's a joke that they're suddenly, oh, we suddenly care about ethics here in the House. Or, you know, come on. It's pontificating nonsense to placate the Democratic establishment, and they're willing to violate constitutional precedent in the process. And what about Bowman, who actually misbehaved why, and yeah. interrupt? Out, out. That's, if that is a disorderly conduct, what? That is the classic definition of disorderly conduct. <laughs> right? I mean, he's, I mean in, in my view, that was originally interpreted to be a very limited remedy. Disorderly conduct is you cannot conduct your task as a member as the House and you have to expel the person because they're precluding your ability to do the public's duty. If it doesn't meet that constitutional standard, I think it's in excess of their authority Uh, because otherwise let the voters decide if they don't like his conduct, they can toss him out. Um, They've already said that the congressman is not immune from federal prosecution. So if the uh, given that you already have the Justice Department going after the guy facing a long extended prison sentence risk. The, uh, this was just insult to injury and giving the Democrats an added bonus. Okay. Well, that's, it, it, it's, you, you feel not bad, but you feel dirty defending someone who clearly is a liar, big fricking deal. And then the personal expenses. All right. And then, I mean, then, okay. So he did that. percent of that is kind of, you're telling me Nikki Haley isn't using her presidential well, butt the, campaign funds to buy a bunch of dresses and well, fancy and, dresses at that. And, well, and her heels because those are her, uh, her self-defense or like Nancy Pelosi. Well, I mean, I'm sure the, DeSantis needed to get his heels. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi going to get her hair done. I mean, who, who pays for this? Oh, well, that was my money that I got from my salary. Uh, that, that was in, and why wouldn't it? Well, she is the best stock. I mean, the, the, this is the irony. You have members of Congress like the Pelosi's who are worth $100 million while they've only been in office, while their only job has been, they've gone from less than a million to over $100 million while they've been in Congress. Their only job has been in Congress. How does that happen? Uh, open, overt corruption that they allow. And they're, they're going after this guy because he used a little, he, he used some camp, he used campaign funds on what you think was a personal expense. Yeah. I mean, that's all, always debated, right? The uh, it, it, it's just extraordinary. And, and, you're, and you're saying he did this in his official duty, yet if he, if he claimed immunity in a civil suit, you would say he didn't do this as part of his official duties. So it, it's just contradiction. And again, we go to the Constitution. How is, does this fit the definition of disru- disorderly conduct while a member of the House? Almost none of it does. All right, testify. Let's get the number under 2,000, everybody. We're going to go over to Rumble now and end on YouTube. Um, and what are we going to start with when we get to YouTube? When we get to Rumble, sorry. Trump, Trump. Oh, yeah. Speaking of uh, double standards and the uh, gratuitous use of the word duties, Robert. <laughs> All right. Get over to Rumble. We're ending on YouTube. Uh, just the OCD part of me just wants to see the number go down once. 2,000. It went up. Too bad. Come on over to Rumble. The link is in the pinned comment. And um, after that, come on over for the uh, after party. Ending on YouTube in 5, 4, 3, and we're done. All right. Trump updates, Robert. Which one do we start with? Can we start with New York nipple judge and Tishy McTish James out of New York? It's, it's, it's a freaking joke. So I put out a video today. Many people may not have yet seen it. Um, Letitia James, or Tish as she calls herself, has been putting out, at least for the first 23 days of this trial, which is now on its 10th week, she was putting out daily two-minute videos of hate, summarizing in the most egregious, propagandized ways the evidence that was adduced in court during the day. I don't know how it's acceptable for an attorney general to be publicly commenting on a on an ongoing litigation that she's bringing against one of her own residents. She did it. I guess it got to be too much because now she's moved to weekly recaps. 
and her weekly recap of last week, there's been a finding of fraud. Everybody knows that already. New York nipple judge Engeron summarily found a finding of fraud on the Mar-a-Lago evaluation. And yet, only last week or the week before did the defense even get to put up its case. I don't know what, you know, the defense is presenting its case after the judge already found fraud. Um, you know, they, they've Alex Jones him. Trump called up uh, someone from the Deutsche Bank who basically said, as far as I understand, if I'm wrong, someone correct me. Um, yeah, sure, he, he gave us our, his, his, his estimates and his own observations. We do our own due diligence and we, you know, in theory, have what his estimates are. He, he gives us his evaluations. We assume it's half of what he says. We still would have given him the loan. At the beginning part of this trial, Letitia James was saying Trump defrauded the banks because they gave him preferential loan payments or preferential loan rates because of the lies. When Ivanka Trump, uh, Ivanka Trump came up, she said, no, they didn't give us preferential rates because of the lies. They gave us preferential rates because they were shopping for our business. And that's nothing less than what they confirmed this week. And now Letitia James says, it doesn't even matter if the bank didn't, um, uh, you know, admits that they would never have charged more. Uh, it's still fraud somewhere, somehow, somewhere. And it's an amazing evolution, but it's egregious. It's egregious, Robert. What can happen um, and what is going to happen? Because he's still going to get convicted by, by Angeron. Yeah, I mean, it just establishes about the court of public opinion and for his appeal, how ludicrous this case is. That, you know, the, the, the thin read they had for claiming fraud was to be, because merely making a false statement in any document to a court or anybody else is not by itself uh, an illegal act. It is only an illegal act if it has a material impact and for fraud to be met. This is the materiality requirement of fraud in the civil or criminal context. And they're, they're only, so the question was, even if you thought his statements were incorrect in his financial statement, how did it lead to him acquiring a benefit, a material impact that he not, would not have otherwise received? Her only grounds was that the terms of the loan were more generous than they would have been had he disclosed a much lower self-worth, financial uh, worth, self-worth. And the bank proved that was completely false. And they had contemporaneous correspondence, internal correspondence that proved that as well. They were like, this was one of the greatest coups ever to get Trump. He was one of the greatest uh, uh, lending arrangements we ever had. A whale. He made us ridiculous profits, absurd levels of profits, was, was being able to land this. He paid everything back. He, uh, he always was going to be able to pay everything back. And he brought us all kinds of other business. So they made clear that his financial statements had absolutely no impact on their loan and a preferential. And if he had given a much lower estimate, the estimate the government thinks he should have given, they would have still made the exact same loan on the exact same terms. That means there's no fraud here. There's absolutely no fraud here. It's now beyond dispute that there's no fraud here. And so what you have is a judge who has to rubber stamp a ludicrous ruling that is a joke in the court of public opinion. And the only question will be whether the higher courts in New York or the U.S. Supreme Court vacate this embarrassment of a ruling and an embarrassment of a case. I want to highlight one other thing that Leticia Tishy McTish is talking about. She says he overvalued his assets for insurance. And as if to say that by overvaluing his assets, he didn't get a better insurance rate. He paid more for insurance, presumably, yeah, exactly. and never made a claim. So it's, it, the fraud would come in in theory when he says, okay, my, my Mar-a-Lago is worth $10 trillion. Insure it at $10 trillion. Okay, well, your premium is going to be whatever it is. 
oh, there's been a claim, it's been destroyed. Pay me 10 trillion. The bank comes in and says, or the insurance company comes in and says, no, it's not worth 10 trillion. That's a misrepresentation. We're denying you coverage. Okay, or if they had paid him out, then it would be fraud. But um, how can Engeron now, like hypothetically, he's already adjudicated fraud on Mar-a-Lago. Can he not come back now and say, well, now that I've seen more evidence after the actual trial, I'm going to undo my uh, summary judgment of fraud? Is that even in the realm of possibility? Well, legally, of course he can, but uh, his bias is such that it's highly improbable. And it, it, what the evidence is proving is that their theory of the case is without merit. Mm-hmm. And the judge's basis to do anything to Trump is without merit. And it's purely political. And the the New York Court of Appeals reinstated the gag order without meaningful explanation. No, and, no, no, yeah, the, not, it, not without meaningful explanation, Robert. None. All that no, they said is we reviewed it and we're reinstating it. Yeah. And, and the reason why they had no written opinion is because it would be a crock for them to even try to justify or rationalize it in a published form. So the uh, they're just hoping that no higher court steps in and over and sets them aside. But it shows their degree of bias and prejudice that you know the New York court process is a complete joke. The D.C. court process is a complete joke. And it, what it's doing is undermining confidence in American courts for for people globally. I mean, the, the Biden administration uh, undermine confidence for investing in America due to its Russian sanctions and how broadly it applied those to uh, people of any kind of Russian ancestry. That terrified anybody who is not a U.S. citizen. Hey, I better not have my money in the United States. I better not invest in the United States. They'll come and seize it, steal it anytime they want for any cause they seem fit to do. But now the number one reason why you, the U.S. is one of the favorite places to invest around the world is its perceived legal impartiality mm-hmm. that uh, unlike many court systems around the world, the U.S. court systems are perceived as rule of law governed courts that are pretty predictable as a business investor. Now they're looking like, well, they can do this to the president of the United States uh, and one of their most successful real estate investors on completely frivolous grounds. Then uh, I'm an idiot to invest in the United States. I'm an idiot to keep my assets in the United States. And that is deeply dangerous to the long-term economic health of the country because these courts don't care. They're so used to misusing and abusing their power. And they're so accustomed to not being punished by, for it by higher courts that they're getting away with uh, highway uh, robbery. And that's what they're doing to Trump. And it's an embarrassment. To, and it's a, ma- it's a crash course and the corruption of the American judicial system uh, writ large for the American people that many people are still finding shocking. Some of us that have been in the in the trenches, I have known this has been the case for a long time. It's just they usually limited it to outsiders and dissidents. They didn't usually do it to someone as popular, as prominent, as famous as the president of the United States. Um, and so it's I mean, they've done frivolous, bogus garbage cases before. Uh, but it's just not at this scale to this kind of person. And that's that's why it's becoming a crash course at just how bad our legal system has become. And, you know, we're getting the same education out of the New York courts. We're getting out of the D.C. courts. Robert, in Quebec, as far as I remember, uh, and I, I'd have to double check, but rules of civil procedure require judges to motivate their decisions. Is there not a similar provision in New York law or is this an interim decision so it doesn't need to be motivated? Uh, they should have published it, but the constant, but who who disciplines them? I mean, it's the constant problem, right? The only people who discipline the judiciary are other judges. 
Uh, I mean, there is a power of impeachment, but it's almost never exercised against institutional establishment political figures. It should be. I mean, look at the Democrats. Democrats are using their Senate power to go after the Supreme Court justices they don't like based solely on substantive rulings on policy, not based on anything against Biden personally, not based on perceived political misuse, based because they don't like their rulings on gun control and on abortion and on the power of the administrative state. They're personally weaponizing their Senate power to go after them. Uh, the, by contrast, Republicans are only doing it to go after their own. So you know, the, it's that as long as these judges know they won't face any consequence, they will continue to abuse their power. And that's what you're seeing. And the fact that they are so politically obtuse as to not realize that half of the country sees it for what it is, um, is just revealing as to the degree to which they're a disconnected, uh, entrenched, let them eat cake, corrupt elite. Not just a corrupt elite, not just an incompetent elite, but like the past, you know, the people that regretted the passing of Henry Kissinger, all, most of them agree his moral compass was long broken, but agreed that his intellectual capacity was always present. And you could often rely upon that for practical solutions that didn't escalate unnecessarily into global conflict. Uh, these people, you can't. These people's moral compass is broken, and they never had were intellectually capable to begin with. And now we're just seeing what partisan corruption does to such a intellectually incapable, morally broken court. Yeah, so now the gag order reinstated. That's the okay for Chutkin and the D.C. Court of Appeals. So eliminate that. It's got to go to the Supreme Court, I guess. Um, and the trials, the trials, it's the biggest sham I've ever seen. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, what else? And that's on, Trump? compounded by their rulings this week by the DC court of appeals on civil immunity and the DC district court on criminal immunity. Okay. So, uh, this is the one where Trump was arguing for immun presidential immunity because when he made certain statements about, uh, the 2020 election, he was doing it in his capacity as president. And, um, I, f I forget how the under the ruling went. We're at the court of appeal. They said, no immunity, correct? Yes. Uh, it was fat. Is they said if you did it in your campaign capacity, it's not your official capacity. And, and I think I, what I loved is they highlighted in the lawsuit, even when you filed the filing, you filed it in your personal capacity, not in your capacity as president. But, the, but to me, I'm saying, like, how could he have ever done it in his capacity as president? He was not president at the time he filed the suit, but he was president at the time he was making those statements. Well, the, uh, the, the bigger problem I have is it directly contradicts their prior rulings. The same D.C. court said a member of Congress is completely immune for his defamatory statements that he made in a purely campaign capacity about his private divorce. Well, this is the RF. Was this Bobby Kennedy or was this? Um... No, the other one was that came out of Massachusetts. Ted Kennedy at a campaign fundraising event defamed Operation Rescue and the federal court said he's immune. So how is it those statements in a campaign capacity? When I sued uh, Senator Warren and Congressman Hallen, now Interior Secretary Hallen, the court said the same thing. They said, oh, no, everything's in your official capacity. Oh, but it's Trump. Oh, sorry. We never meant any of that. Suddenly there's a campaign capacity exception. Did we forget that every time we let everybody of our political friends off? It shows what partisan hacks they all are. I mean, and they don't even seem to be aware of this. They think they can just BS. They're so used to... We'll spin whatever story we want. 
We'll ignore the evidence that contradicts us, ignore the precedents that contradict us, pretend the whole world will just accept our version of events as true because our courts are so used to this. Back in the old day, courts, and you still find it with deemsters in foreign courts, they actually have to honestly recount both sides of the argument before they issue an opinion. So you read an old case from like the 1840s, you, you can't even figure out what the opinion is until the very end yeah. because they're recounting both sides. They should still be forced to do that because what it does is it prevents them from being so dishonest. Look, courts today are routinely dishonest. And the way they're dishonest is they set up the set of facts and procedural posture in a way that is not what, in fact, the arguments were, because they want to make it seem obvious that their conclusion is the correct one. To do that, they have to be dishonest about the procedural posture, dishonest about the precedents, dishonest about the arguments actually substantively made to them. And so that's what happened here. It's like, how is it everybody else until Trump has immunity, whether it's campaigning or not, because it's all considered part of your duties, right? The, they said it was part of your constituent communication. In other words, if he was not running for office, may he have made the same statements while president? Yes. So that means immunity applies. The argument, the presidential immunity applies unless it's something you would never do as president, right? So that's why Bill Clinton wasn't immune from suit for something he did before he was president, uh, which was sexually harass someone while governor of Arkansas. That was something that actually was not a presidential act because he wasn't even president when he did it. And it's much more clear that's not within his presidential capacity. These are public statements made while president. That is by definition presidential. Well, and, and, and about an election that's going to determine the president. I mean, what kind of president wouldn't, even if it were hypothetical. Even if it was Pence's election, he would have been making, if it was anyone else's election, he would he make the same statements? Yes. So the fact that it served a campaign purpose has never been an, an exclusion. They've explicitly said no, including this D.C. circuit. They reversed all that, threw all that precedent out because it's Trump. And they pretended, well, we're just following the law. No, no, no. no, they're not. They made this up. This is a doctrine they've explicitly rejected themselves before. So it's because of their anti-Trump. They went out of their way to say, look, we're not saying that maybe say he can't win on summary judgment. We're, we're not saying he can't uh, that he doesn't have a First Amendment defense. No. We're not saying this doesn't apply to the criminal charges. Uh, because they knew why they go out of their way to say all that. Because they know they're ruling something they've never ruled before and contradicts their precedent. They just don't want you to know that because they're dishonest. Um, and so the uh, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the, the constant evisceration of the rule of law as people see how judges' motivation in cases is almost always partisan. Very few judges actually decide on the law and the merits. They decide based on what they want to have happen. And then they rationalize it afterwards. And then they pretend to the world the law compelled their result. That's very and rarely true, frankly. Every, I mean, in case people don't remember offhand, two cases in the past history in which statements were made at a campaign rally were deemed to be uh, immune. Deborah Holland and um, Elizabeth Warren, it wasn't during an election, although they said we were speaking on a matter of policy so that it pertains to our official functions. They were the ones who defamed Nicholas Salmon. I still don't think they take- And all the Covington kids. All the Covington kids. All the Covington kids. And the, uh, I mean, the, uh, uh, now one of the law firms defending those congressmen, I mean, most of the congressmen corrected and retracted uh, after I said I was going to sue them all. Not Warren, not Howland. Uh, but even Elon Omar re deleted a tweet for the first time ever after I said I was going to sue 
the uh, but they they had a, they had some legal protection because the group arguing they have immunity for everything is a law firm by the name of Claire Locke went on Tucker Carlson and attacked me uh, saying how dare I say we, we could bring these suits they also confused a class action from a, from class libel they they apparently either they're, they're too dumb or they were doing it now of course uh, they they went on and hired uh, represented Dominion and cashing in on that cash cow of a case. And then, uh, and now Rumble hired him. So uh, good luck to Rumble's suit. Uh, maybe don't hire Dominion's law firm for your law firm if you want certain kinds of public. But I, well, that's but, not a law firm I would trust or have faith in. Let's put it that way. Robert, they have their political bias. They have but they great- claim, you know, full immunity for everybody. Uh, but then now, of course, suddenly there is not such immunity uh, when it's politically convenient for, I mean, I don't disagree with the idea that campaign things are not immune. Uh, I disagree with their selectivity about applying it for Trump and not applying it to others. That's my problem with it, uh, is that it's high. And this is a context in which, as president, he would be obligated to talk about this anyway. Mm-hmm. So the idea that it's it's not related to his duties, that that would be nuts, right? What the Covington kids did was not related to Elizabeth Warren's duties. It, there was no pending legislation concerning it, nor Congresswoman Hallen. So they shouldn't have been immune. Uh, but, you know, the uh, you know, it shows just the selective bias and partisan prejudice in the court system for how they implement and enforce the law. And everybody's just getting a crash course on it, that most people who believe our judges were these beacons of independence and integrity are discovering they're just partisan politicians under robes like everybody else. Now, the decision had never gone to the Supreme Court, correct, on uh, whether uh, what's exempt from immunity and what's included in it? Correct. Correct. Okay. I took them up, but the Supreme Court didn't take it. By the way, uh, it's still up, Robert, not to run, <laughs> not to bring back bad memories. Omaha elder and Vietnam veteran, both, well, factually incorrect. I think he was found to be a stolen valor. Nathan Phillips injured hateful taunts with dignity and strength, then urged us all to do better. Oh, oh, Lordy. Okay. Uh, still there, still there. Because it was her most popular tweet. She doesn't want to you know, get rid of that social credit, social media yep. credit. And uh, by the way, she was doing it to elevate her potential presidential campaign. I was going to call her a bad name, but I won't. Uh, do we have anything more on Trump? Uh, the last thing is he is also uh, two things. So he brought motions to dismiss on immunity grounds to criminal defense prosecution, First Amendment, other grounds. Of course, the district court judge denied his motions to dismiss because there's no way she's going to be honest or honorable and uh, grant him. Also, so she, she has no immunity even for criminal charges for things you did while president of the United States which was an issue the D.C. Court of Appeals reserved and explicitly said they weren't ruling on yet. Um, so the now the D.C. Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court will, you know, those are issues they can take up on interlocutory appeal because of the consequence of the decision. And I, you know, the Supreme Court, between the New York gag order, between the D.C. gag order, between the D.C. civil immunity ruling, and now these criminal immunity rulings, is going to have multiple opportunities to step in and try to preserve the integrity of the judiciary. Because that's really what's on trial here. Uh, will the, will they keep the American confidence in the independence of the judiciary, in the integrity of the judiciary? Because the judiciary is failing that test writ large in ways the whole country is witnessing and coming to believe. Uh, ask the FBI how that worked. The FBI went from having a 75 to 80 percent approval amongst conservative Republicans to now being in the low 20s. And, and that happened in a, in a very brief time period. 
They, and, and what happens when you lose your public approval? You get people calling for you to not exist as an agency anymore. You can lose your power overnight. What happens when it starts impacting jury verdicts? That's when they'll really start paying attention. When jurors come in and say, I'm not going to trust anything an FBI agent says. Doesn't matter. Rather than deferring to them like they usually do, distrust them like they should. Uh, make them prove otherwise uh, with independent evidence other than their own testimony. The, uh, uh, so are the judges willing to destroy their own credibility? in uh, the credibility of the American judiciary and the credibility of the judicial system. I mean, that's what Tucker Carlson said this week. He said, I, you know, I, I decided I'd be supporting Trump the moment they raided Mar-a-Lago. He goes, if we let them get away with that, we don't have a country anymore. We don't have a republic anymore. It's over. It's done. We're in a new stage, new era. Uh, we're in a post-Constitution America. And then, you know, all bets are off. And so the uh, uh, we're going to... It'll be up to the Supreme Court of the United States, quite clearly, to preserve the Constitution. D.C. Court of Appeals won't do it. New York courts won't do it. D.C. District Court won't do it. The Georgia court will be given opportunity to do something. They, he brought a First Amendment challenge before that court as well on the Georgia charges. That Georgia prosecutor now suddenly wants to rush the case and have it during the election. That's how nuts she is. Um, we'll see if that judge, a judge appointed by, I believe, appointed by Governor Kemp, so he's been unreliable so far. Another one of these establishment useless Republicans uh, in the bench. People wondered why I, why I was so critical uh, over about the Federalist Society and who they would tend to promote as judges. Now you're getting to witness it in live time. Uh, and, and because many of them are presiding in one way, shape or form on various Trump cases and failing. And the Georgia judge so far is failing his duties uh, to affirm constitutional integrity and the independence of the judiciary. On, against this partisan, uh, politicized attack in violation of the Constitution. So uh, we'll see. All right. Now, um, at the, we're, we're done with the Trump uh, intro topics, right? Or the, the I yep. want to I want to bring up uh, the, the rumble rants before they get too much out of hand, which they're already close to blitz through these people. Hold on. I'm not your buddy guy says, I think Republicans set a bad precedent and we'll use it to remove MAGA representatives. Just choking on my tongue again. Lord of the Reese says, just paid my taxes, have some of what they didn't steal from me. The state is a multinational corporation with a monopoly on force, your friendly neighbor anarchist. There's no question about that. They steal your money and then they ship it to Ukraine. Ours, now that I'm paying taxes in the States. Taxes are theft, says Sad Wings Raging. Armed robbery, as I like to say on our on our merch, Viva Fry. Lord of the Ree, Ronda, okay, I'm not saying that. Um, I can't read that. No Handsman 81 says, I am helping my brother with a massive lawsuit in Missouri. He was wrongfully arrested twice so far. Um, after we win, I would like to be on your show and tell my fans how we did it. I like the optimism. I'm screen grabbing. Come back uh, and let us know how it turns out. I'm not your buddy guy says, I always remember folks, they first referred to us as maggots. My advice to Trump, remember the names, actions, and to never forgive and hold them accountable accordingly to their actions. No mercy. I'm not your buddy guy says, I pray Barnes becomes attorney general in 2024. I want to ask you, as I cannot think of another man with the better discernment and morality to perform those duties, yeah, duties truly could not be more important uh, than now. Robert, is there any possibility that you would, if, could you be nominated if Trump gets in? And would you accept it if you were ever requested to be the AG? Oh, well, I mean, I think uh, people like me uh, will be happy to, to help out the president. And so the uh, I think there's a lot of us. I mean, I think there's, you know, Jeffrey Clark, uh, there, you know, uh, Mike, who we had on the uh, who was, you know, the who apparently was trolling people that what he was going to do once he became attorney general and enraged the leftist media into going a little bit crazy. So, I mean, there's plenty of good people and, and hopefully 
somehow we survive all of this and it's a president Trump or a president Kennedy uh, who can uh, implement that. If they, if they do something to take out Trump, then hopefully Kennedy will be the one, but the, uh, and not, you know, another, uh, uh, you know, post-constitution American government, because you know, then we're looking at a whole different ballgame. Uh, but I mean, you, you see the nature of the incredible selectivity in the appeals courts by the, by who they are enforcing selective prosecution and on behalf of, as we saw in the Texas court of appeals this week. So this case is, um, they said it's an, a, a, a migrant or an, an illegal alien. Uh, yeah, so a, it's a non-resident. Uh, yeah, the, the governor launched Operation Lone Star because the Biden administration, uh, as as uh, as Robert Kennedy has also acknowledged, is completely collapsed on enforcing the border. And so what happened is uh, Texas launched Operation Lone Star to at least lock up some of the more egregious immigrant violate illegal immigrants present on criminal trespass grounds. They don't have facilities to uh, to lock up women. So because overwhelmingly it was men, because men pose the greatest risk in terms of other criminal behaviors, historically, men committed 80 to 90 percent of crimes. They targeted illegal immigrant men who are criminally trespassing. Uh, Texas Court of Appeals says, oh, you can't do that because you're not locking up women. And Texas is like, we don't have facilities to lock, also lock up the women because of how many Men are already coming over, and Can because I, of the cost of this already. The, the one question I had, I didn't read the, de- I didn't get to this particular detail. I couldn't find it. What was the nature of the criminal trespass? Is it like um, in, innocuous criminal trespass? No, I mean, it's criminal trespass. It's uh, someone who's legally present in a place they're not legally able uh, present to right to be. Okay. And it was a sort of multi-level viol. It's a way of enforcing immigration law that doesn't run afoul of the federal government's preemption in that capacity. Okay. And the what the lefty lawyers came up with is, well, you better lock up the women too, or you can't lock up the men. And the Texas Court of Appeals agreed. Well, they said, te- Texas said we are. It, they admitted the selective prosecution on men, not on this individual in particular. Uh, they they admitted it. The rationale was we don't have the facilities for. Yeah, locking don't, up we, women. Don't, we don't have. Uh, we would have to spend a bunch of money for specialized detention facilities for women. And we don't have that, that that didn't make sense within our resources when the main threat is coming from collateral consequences from illegal immigrant men who are here to commit additional criminal conduct against the people of Texas. That's not a major risk from the women illegal immigrants who are much fewer by proportion anyway. And uh, the Texas court said, no, no, you can't selectively prosecute like that. I mean, the same courts that are allowing Trump to get railroaded everywhere that are completely ignoring obvious selective prosecution, suddenly enforce it when it means you have to let illegal immigrants go free unless you lock up the women too, which is what Texas will now do. Well, that, that, so that was my question. Can you retroactively remedy the selective prosecution by saying, okay, Can't retroactively. Okay. This individual defendant, everybody arrested to date will be freed. In the oh state of Texas. my, it, what, what's, what's mind blowing, Robert, is they, the courts prevent Texas from enforcing any meaningful border control given the dereliction of duty from the federal, and then find ways to uh, annul law enforcement that would have the indirect effect of potentially enforcing immigration control, uh, which yep. I guess is the good segue to the, it is again, the Court of Appeals, oh my goodness, that said uh, that you got to take out those, uh, those buoy barriers in the Rio Grande, because not for any immigration reason, they found another like incidental law that it might have broken it vi- i don't know what the law is the navigability of waters act and they said that this 1000 year or however long it was uh section of buoys with an underwater net 
tied down by big anchors, violates the navigability of the Rio Grande. Now, I, look, I didn't look into the details of this. In, as far as I understood, navigability refers to anything that connects to the ocean uh, or, yeah. or cross, not um, like you don't have navigability issues on closed lakes or inlets or bodies of water rivers. I, don't, I, I have to refresh my memory. Where does the Rio Grande end? It goes out to the, does it, where does it go out to? The Gulf of Mexico? Yeah, and maybe the Pacific. Uh, the I haven't looked at how far it goes. To be honest with you, hold on. The, uh, uh, but uh, technically, here I think the court decision is correct. Now, what's interesting is the dissent would have gone further. What the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals said is, if you block a navigable waterway, that that is governed by federal law under the U.S. Constitution and implementing statutes, and you can only do so if Congress agrees. And because Congress hasn't agreed, you can't do it. But they said, as long as you're not blocking the waterway, you can actually use the buoys next to the riverfront. So, like, you can't actually put some buoys there that can have some deterrent effect on immigration, but you just can't block the whole river. And the dissenting judge was enraged. The dissenting judge said it shouldn't be there at all because the dissenting judge wants free open borders is the reality of it. Um, but the one of the judges that was in the majority is a, is a old school, usually, not always, constitutional conservative judge. And the navigable waterway issue was a clear issue uh, because this is a river that borders a foreign country. It does constitutionally fit the classic definition of the kind of navigable waterways Congress has exclusive jurisdiction over. And it clearly was interrupting also the navigable aspect of it. What's interesting is the Mexican president has no problem with it being used as a deterrent for illegal immigration said that it, the buoys were just too far out because it was interfering with actual navig navigation, said don't have a problem if you pull it back closer to the riverfront so it could still have a potential deterrent on illegal immigration but not interfere with the nav. It won't be as effective a deterrent by where it's going to now be located. But I think constitutionally, the Fifth Circuit probably made the correct decision. Um, when it comes to waters like that, where is the, uh, well, first of all, the, the Rio Grande seems to start in Colorado. It flows out to the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, it's a uh, Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. Where does the border on that lie between Mexico and the United States? Is it in the middle of the river or? Um... Oh, right. Yeah, they, that's always an issue. So, so uh, they, where they could, exactly the, the border is. Well, because I guess the, Texas couldn't push it back to the Mexican side. So they're saying pull it back to the Texas side, make it closer on the shore. So it, it's great, by the way. By the time anyone crossing the river gets there, it might be actually more dangerous for the for the illegal alien, uh, illegal immigrants. It, but, they can still use it as a partial deterrent. It just won't it, be as effective. And again, the problem that Texas is only facing because of the uh, completely wayward uh, failure to enforce by the Biden administration. All right. Well, on on the subject of Texas, Robert, segue into Texas suing Pfizer. Yes, yeah, now that's the more the white pill moment. You know, thank goodness for Attorney General Paxton, who exposed the corrupt uh, rhinos that run the state of Texas, uh, survived their bogus impeachment effort, and all they were able to do with their uh, previously Paxton suggested on Tucker Carlson and elsewhere that he believed. Uh, that his intention to go after Pfizer is what precipitated mm -hmm. their effort to impeach and remove him and at least delay it, the ability for, for him to go after Pfizer. But all it did was delay it because once he won the impeachment vote, first attorney general, I mean, Governor DeSantis promised a grand jury into Pfizer, unclear if anything ever happened with that grand jury. We know no a, a, other action has been taken by the state of Florida. 
Um, so it sure looks like all talk, no walk, all hat, no cattle uh, with DeSantis, quite never, frankly. Never heard that. I, one, I hope I'm wrong on that, but you know, that, that's what it looks like. Whereas Paxson's been the real deal all the way through. Uh, and he, he filed suit this week against Pfizer, saying Pfizer violated the rights of the uh, Texas consumers and the Texas citizens because they falsified and lied and committed fraud and the, how they described the effectiveness of the vaccine. And then when they knew they were, their fraud was getting exposed, they engaged in illicit systemic efforts to censor the disclosure of their previous fraud, ongoing fraud. Uh, just to connect two dots there, actually, uh, you know, Paxton getting impeached as he announced this. And what else happened when Pfizer was involved? Project Veritas gets sabotaged and shut down. Coincidence? Maybe, but those are two dots that are possibly connected. Uh, now, from what I understand, and, and what I love about this particular lawsuit, actually, first things first, Robert, we just breached 20,000 viewers live. So everyone go overflow the chat with comments and thumbs up. Um, the, from what I understand, they are relying on Pfizer's own data to say that they manipulated and falsified the safety and efficacy. They say Pfizer said 95% effective, Although Albert Bourla, April 1st, 2000, 2022, said 100% effective. Proud to announce 100% effective. Uh, they said it's closer to whatever, like a fraction of a percent effective uh, based on Pfizer's own data. That's, I'm not misunderstanding that, correct? Correct. Right, exactly. And, okay. and, uh, and additional data that they be, Pfizer became aware of. So that, that they committed fraud at the get-go and then it was continuous fraud and then it was their censorship efforts thereafter. The timing is uh, productive because we're filing our opposition to the motion to dismiss by Pfizer in the Brooke Jackson case uh, pending in Beaumont, Texas, uh, based on their defrauding the American people of billions of dollars based on saying they delivered a safe, effective vaccine for the prevention of COVID-19 that was not safe, not effective, didn't prevent uh, COVID-19. Uh, and, uh, so that, that was a fraud on the American people. Uh, they didn't deliver what they promised, but it's, so it's useful, helpful to her case to now have this additional Texas attorney general saying the same thing. Uh, this was systemic fraud by Pfizer. Uh, in my view, the biggest public health fraud in world history. Could you just imagine in 10 years, Robert, we're going to read a case that's going to say Pfizer's paying the now greatest criminal civil settlement payment in the history, trumping the one that they did two, 10 years ago, whatever it was like. It's it's just it's written in the books already. We just haven't gotten to the chapter yet. What, what, and what again, is every attorney general pretty much has this power. So every attorney and uh, every district attorney uh, uh, in many cases uh, has this power. So there's really no excuse. You know, Paxton has shown the path. There's no excuse for other attorney generals, other district attorneys to look at their law books and protect their citizenry. I mean, you've been interviewing people that have who've had loved ones suffer injuries and even death from this vaccine, uh, so-called vaccine. I mean, that itself was a lie. I mean, I'm watching ads on during the football games from Pfizer and Moderna still calling it a vaccine, still saying it could help prevent COVID-19. Well, they know that's just a big fat lie. I mean, it's just they continue in the fraud because they have the political cover of the Biden administration not taking corrective and remedial action. Uh, but, you know, it's the, it's long overdue, but it's great that the states are now taking uh, corrective action, at least with the Texas attorney general, because they they defrauded all the people of all these states. And that is not subject to the immunity. 
Mm-hmm. The, uh, some people were confused. They were saying, oh, he's got to prove certain kinds of fraud. No, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have to prove what you would have to prove to sue Pfizer individually for injury. Uh, as the, the state's power to enforce their laws is not covered by this immunity that they're given. Individuals can't sue Pfizer for outside of extraordinary circumstance. However, uh, a state can, uh, and a state can bring criminal prosecution against them. DAs can bring criminal prosecution. I mean, there's more than enough evidence out there from the Brooke Jackson case, from the Freedom of Information Act disclosures, from there are more whistleblower disclosures this week out of New Zealand and other places raising questions about excess deaths. Iceland is talking about freezing the COVID-19 vaccine because of their spike in excess deaths. You're, you're seeing more. Edward Dowd has de- detailed it. Uh, Dowd has pointed out the number of disabilities and deaths directly tied to the introduction of the COVID-19 vaccine in various populaces around the world. And you're talking about millions of disabilities and deaths. Millions. No no, uh, drug has ever killed people at this scale, at this speed. And it happened because they lied. And the first person to expose their lies was Brooke Jackson. And so, uh, you know, we're going to continue to fight on her behalf in that case. And hopefully the court will allow the case to go forward to discovery as the evidence mounts from other uh, state actors, from other courts, that this is from the court of public opinion, from the more information and evidence, that this was what we said it was from the get-go, which was one of the most dangerous drugs ever uh, put out onto the American people. That's why they were trying to force it on people. Uh, That's why the, you know, employers like Tyson Foods were complicit in this. And, you know, if they have a judge who's uh, in their back pocket, maybe they can get away with it. Uh, Not every judge is going to be in their back pocket. And so they're not always going to get away with it. Uh, And the so I I think that all of these people should have faced consequences for forcing the whole world to undergo what Obama called it. One big mass public experiment. I'm going to pull that clip up as you tell us what happened to you this week, Robert, because I I tweeted out. Uh, recently, you know, a little while back, I wasn't originally on the Nuremberg 2.0 hashtag, but now I am because I now I know and, and now the evidence is coming out. It's 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 undeniable. Uh, you uh, there was a if anyone hasn't seen your bourbon with Barnes, I think it's November 28, if I'm not mistaken, maybe November 29. You're talking about some lawyers facing sanctions from judges or threats of sanctions for raising Nuremberg uh, lawsuits. I think you're talking about someone we know. Can you go ahead and tell the rest of the world who might not be watching the bourbon with Barnes at vivabarneslaw.locals.com what happened to you last week? So, yeah, a federal judge is threatening my firm with sanctions for even suing under the Nuremberg Code, for even claiming that if American courts have the right to kill Nazis, victims should have the rights to sue Nazis. He claims that's so frivolous, so preposterous, that I should be sanctioned personally for even bringing suit to the court. Now, uh, this is also this judge dismissed all claims against Tyson Foods, said you couldn't even sue for religious discrimination, made claims about religious discrimination that no court has ever made before, uh, basically saying that things that had already been established by the Biden EEOC, by the Trump EEOC, by the Obama EEOC is religious discrimination, that Tyson Foods admitted was a religious-based objection, suddenly magically now isn't, unless this judge approves of it as chief inquisitor of your religious beliefs. 
Now, uh, this judge's decision, in part, as soon as I was reading through it, where he was attacking uh, my firm repeatedly throughout the plea, his order, I was I wondered, huh? This judge is in Arkansas. I wonder if he's got any ties to Tyson Foods. Tyson Foods was tight with the Biden administration at trying to force uh, this vaccine on everybody through their employment power and other corporations' employment power. So they're neck deep in this as a policy matter. Tyson Foods is extraordinary, based in, for those people who don't know, based in Arkansas, longtime ties to the Democratic Party. I sat in with the AFL-CIO during Mike Espy's time at the, uh, as Secretary of Agriculture seeing him come up with rules that was going to butcher workers' safety because it, uh, it would benefit Tyson Foods. Uh, Ty- that's how deep uh, Tyson Foods' political power goes. This judge, a Democratic judge appointed by Barack Obama, where, again, Democrat, long-time Democratic ties to Tyson Foods. So you have that possibility. Then I researched the judge's professional background, and he was a life uh, long, uh, spent most of his legal life as a partner in a law firm. I look up that law firm's current representative clients, and guess who's listed as representative client number one? Tyson. Tyson. Foods. <laughs> exactly. You think this judge ever disclosed his potential? Did Tyson Foods line his pockets? Did Tyson Foods put him on the federal bench? We don't know, but my clients can reasonably wonder whether they're getting impartial justice from such a judge given the rulings he's made. So, uh, you know, we'll investigate further and see what we can find. But yeah, the judge is threatening in order to show cause why I shouldn't, uh, my firm shouldn't be sanctioned for even bringing a Nuremberg Code claim. Stop. Order to show cause is basically contempt. Yeah, it's a version of contempt, if you will. But it's an order to show cause under Rule 11. And the basis is his claim is, look, uh, you've brought this a couple of times before and no court yet has accepted it. Which, by the way, has never been grounds to sanction <laughs> a lawyer before. And, and to give you an idea, the, sorry, sorry to sanction. Sanction the lawyer, not the client. Right. Well, I mean, he couldn't sanction the client because that'd be even more preposterous. <laughs> but the uh, uh, it's it's an intimidation tactic is all it is. So, but listen to the logic. The logic, to my my view, is insane. So the for people that don't know where the Nuremberg Code originated from, the Nuremberg Code stems from a line of U.S. federal cases in the trying people at Nuremberg, because the question was this: What gave a U.S. federal court power to prosecute a German citizen for things they did to other German citizens when at the time they did it, it was not only legal under German law, it had been lawfully ordered by the elect by the German government. How does an American court have power to call that a crime retroactively, have jurisdiction over them, prosecute them, try them, imprison them and execute them? What's the legal basis for that? Well, the court, it was a chief justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, Jackson was involved in the prosecution. What the U.S. court said in a sequence of decisions is they said certain legal principles are so universal that they apply to everyone everywhere. That was, step, that was premise number one. Premise number two was that they're so universal they can be enforced by anyone anywhere. That is how a U.S. federal court had jurisdiction to order the execution of Germans for things they did that was then legal under German law to other Germans. They, uh, they did, in fact, execute some yes, Nazis. I mean, they killed okay. them. I mean, you, you, I mean, according to this judge in Arkansas, 
You can, uh, federal judges can kill Nazis. You just can't sue them. How dare you claim you could sue them, Mr. Barnes? You should be sued into a, you should be sanctioned into oblivion, Mr. Barnes. That's according to this judge, who may or may not have undisclosed ties to Tyson Foods, the, uh, uh, who is the defendant in this case and whose ruling he is benefiting, uh, whose company he's benefiting in his ruling. The second aspect of this is, well, can he claim, this judge claimed that nobody in federal court ever suggested there could be a private cause of action. Well, that's just a flat out fraud by the court, because this has arisen in America in federal courts, as we said in our complaint, which is uh, the Alien Tort Statutes Act allows foreigners to sue in America, to sue foreign companies or U.S. companies in American federal courts for things that happen in a foreign country, right? Normally, the American federal courts would have no jurisdiction in that instance. So how do they do? Congress passed a special law called the Alien Tort Statutes Act that said certain kinds of torts are so bad that you can be sued here in American courts. And what it was, what was the paramount one that the Second Circuit Court of Appeals said is the kind of thing anybody can sue anybody anywhere, anytime for? The same thing they said federal courts could prosecute any court could prosecute anytime, anywhere for the Nuremberg Code violation said it was a tort so violative that Pfizer could be sued by Nigerian victims of Pfizer's drug experiments taking place in Africa. Just briefly, don't do a hush hush on this. Explain what they sued for and what Pfizer was doing on Nigerian children, because that people don't know this. This is the same company that experimented on me. Well, in fact, I do have a hush hush on it uh, about the constant gardener. And its relevance to what and its relevance to Pfizer's history that I put out at the time the COVID vaccine was being introduced oh, primarily by Pfizer. I do remember that because you got me to listen to the Constant Gardener on on Audible. It was the book was so boring I didn't even get through it. I skipped to the end just to see how it ended. <laughs> but sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah, not not Go the on. happiest ending of Jean Le Carré, but very documentary of what was really happening. Where Africa basically African kids are using being used as guinea pigs without informed consent for drug experiments. And Pfizer, it was for Pfizer that these drug experiments were being done. Pfizer is usually a step removed, right? So Pfizer themselves didn't commit like battery or assault. Pfizer was just complicit in drug experimentation happening on people without their informed consent. And that's the principle of the Nuremberg Code. The principle of the Nuremberg, they, they said one of the principles that's so universal is that a person cannot undergo bodily invasion from any medical, unwanted medical treatment without their informed consent. And they said that that's a universal law that applies to everybody everywhere, regardless of what your domestic law says. And yet you're never immune from it, and anybody anywhere can prosecute you or punish you for it. So in New York, federal court said you can also sue for it. So my theory is pretty darn simple. If, if you can kill a Nazi, you can sue a Nazi. And if foreigners can sue Nazis, Americans can sue Nazis. But according to this federal judge, not only can you not do it, any lawyer who brings such suit will be sanctioned uh, for even bringing it, for even suggesting the common sense idea that if you can kill a Nazi, you can sue a Nazi could possibly apply to benefit Americans. Right now, the only people who cannot get relief in America are Americans. They're the only ones under the Nuremberg Code. Foreigners can get relief. You can get the, the, the government can get criminal relief. Foreigner, foreigners can request criminal relief, but U.S. citizens cannot request any civil relief. It doesn't make any sense at all. Now, I get the judge doesn't like the comparison. He thinks Nuremberg should be limited to Nuremberg. That's not what the legal principle is. It isn't what the Second Circuit said. But even so, that's not his ruling. His ruling is that nobody can ever sue uh, for a violation of the Nuremberg Code and that if you as a lawyer bring such a suit, he will sanction you in your court, in his court. So 
it's it's now it's not a surprise. Uh, it's definitely not a surprise that it's a federal court in Arkansas doing it, uh, given it's the, the, the you couldn't have a more politically corrupt state than the state of Arkansas has been, particularly if it involves either Walmart or Tyson Foods. Uh, the fact that he's doing this against the, on the backs of longstanding blue collar employees looking for a little bit of justice tells you where the Democratic Party is. They will weaponize the legal system for their corporate pals and screw ordinary workers any day of the week and twice on Sunday. And probably thinks because I'm an out-of-state lawyer, he can take any pot shot he wants at me and get away with it. Uh, but we're going to fight this case all the way through. So obviously we'll fight any sanctions order that will be preposterous. Uh, we'll investigate the degree of which what this judge's ties are to Tyson Foods that he has not been forthcoming about disclosing to the parties. That I think he should have been an honest judge, an honorable judge, I think would have disclosed, hey, by the way, these are what my connections are. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe his law firm only took on Tyson Foods as a client after he was on the federal bench. Maybe he has no pension ties on an ongoing basis to that law firm. Maybe Tyson Foods had nothing to do with his political appointment. Um, but the nature of his ruling is, in my view, absurd uh, and a, a ridiculous insult to, the, to religious protection in America, to human rights. It makes America one of the only courts in the world where you can't sue for Nuremberg rights. I mean, human rights have now reached a new low. The so-called Democratic Party stands for working people and stands for human rights as making some of the most horrendous rulings against workers and against human rights so they can serve their corporate masters as they typically do. It's why they are in such political trouble. Uh, but it's also a reminder to lawyers out there. I mean, in this case, the lawyer who's on file for the case is my young associate, Lexis Anderson. You know, the I mean, he's going after a young lawyer because they're used to doing this. They're used to going weaponizing their power, misusing and abusing their power. Uh, and they uh, it, you, you come and challenge somebody powerful in their backyard. They try to weaponize their power to crush you for it. And you just can't be deterred by the nature of partisan judges, prejudiced judges, possibly corrupt judges. Uh, you have to march onward for the for the rights that matter and the law that matters. But, yeah, I mean, it, it had me uh, irritable for about four days. <laughs> The, uh, and I was listening to Bobby Kennedy talk about uh, the, the need to, uh, uh, you know, for those that anger you, just pray for them. That's what he said. He said the, uh, he, he learned that uh, some years ago it was necessary to be the most productive uh, in one's life. But it's a sign of the problem with our judges. Uh, what we're witnessing in the Tyson Foods case is not much different than what's happening in the Trump cases. Judges misusing and abusing their power. And until and unless they're held accountable by higher courts or Congress, our system of justice is going to collapse in America and its credibility collapsed throughout the entire world. You omitted a relevant detail. Lexi is a young woman who might look easily intimidatable by a corrupt hack of a judge. Robert, I'm going to read some, some, oh, geez, Louise, I'll, I'll do this quickly. We will never vote or litigate our way out of tyranny, says Primus Fan 92. I will disagree with that. Shofar, Shofar, the current judicial system reminds me of the Democrats' controlled judges in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Shame on them. No Handsman 81 says going straight to the Nuremberg 2.0 will be impossible. I have another lawsuit against the hospital if for EMM Tala law violations. I don't have to find out what that is. Turning me or others away if they had COVID. I really want to talk with you. Screen grab. Mandatory carry being necessary to, oh, we got mandatory carry who's got, had the founders foreseen the future, they would have written a very different Second Amendment. A well-protected public being necessary to the scrutiny of a free state, the duty of a people to keep and bear arms shall be enforced. And then we're getting to the one I wanted to read. 
Pinochet's helicopter tour says, does Schellenberger's revelations in Congress this week that the FBI, CIA, DHS were suppressing the people through the CETO, CISA, EIP affect the Missouri case, Paxson's case, any of Barnes's cases? In a second. M.B. Cook says, Viva, please speak a little more slowly. You are almost impossible to understand. It's getting worse these days. I've been following you since 2020, so it's not that I'm not used to your stuff. I will internalize that critique. The ones that you feel are true of yourself hurt the most. Huh? Clown Pill Papa says there is no reason to suppose that the judiciary cares about what it sees as the white trash views. They will continue jailing whomever they want, and it's doubtful anyone will resist effectively. Clown Pill Papa, there is no reason to suppose... That okay, we got that one. Hope you didn't mean to do that twice. I can't really read. Paul Rose 76 is a new member. Welcome to the channel. And uh, I'm not your buddy guy. Judges uh, like this should have all their cases overturned, disbarred, and be sentenced to prison term for egregious political bias. And then we got some more. Okay, fine. Robert, uh, thank you all for the support there and, and those, those rumble rants. Oh, what's next on the menu? Um, well, I mean, you know, speaking of uh, people that have fought against the odds, and I know that his campaign is controversial in some circles, but not in mine. I think he's a, a positive contributor to the public dialogue at minimum and a critical backup option in case uh, they take out Trump and deterrence to them trying to take out Trump. And I think just an exceptional and extraordinary human being, if you get to know him, as I've had the privilege to uh, do in a limited capacity. I know you're talking about RFK. You're going to have Indeed, to feel Robert Kennedy. <laughs> uh, we got uh, two updates on Robert Kennedy. One is uh, he is the Supreme Court has relisted his petition to intervene in Missouri versus Biden because he's establishing there's unique arguments he can raise uh, that uh, that others are not well situated to raise that will make sure that there's a robust judgment and a more favorable First Amendment friendly judgment in that case. Now, I'm going to internalize and use that critique that I've been speaking too fast and slow down. Does the recent Schellenberger revelations about the degree I didn't think it added anything new to what we had seen from the Twitter files. I saw nothing new in what they were talking about. Everyone knew the Election Integrity Project or Partnership, whatever the hell they called it. I just started talking fast again. They were talking specifically about doing indirectly what the government could not do directly. Taibbi got in trouble. Mehdi Hassan thought he scored his points by going after um, Matt Taibbi. I thought all that was revealed in the original disclosures. Does anything last week bear any relevance to the Missouri v. Biden? Uh, I mean, it helps enhance the case. Uh, but I think, I mean, that's where I think Robert Kennedy's inclusion is critical. Like certain right now, the Biden administration has certain arguments about who has standing to bring certain claims, who can litigate certain claims. Kennedy uniquely can because the court found that he was the number one individual target of the Biden administration for censorship was Robert Kennedy. And now Robert Kennedy is an independent candidate challenging joe biden for the presidency of the united states mm -hmm. you couldn't have someone better situated to show why this is so problematic under the first amendment to allow the biden administration to do what they did and that's why he's arguing i should be allowed to intervene uh the uh, at the supreme court level and the supreme court uh you know originally didn't decide it and then the, they call it relisting they put it up for conference and they say well let's postpone this and decide whether decide this later on and they relist it when they're going to decide it later on and I think they recognize that certain standing arguments, certain other arguments, he has compelling grounds to intervene. He, his interests are directly implicated in the case. He's directly named in the case. He's part of the direct factual findings of the case. 
uh, he has interests that no other party can fully vindicate and represent. He guarantees standing for certain parties in the case. So he should be number, I mean, because again, he was the number one target of the Biden administration censorship campaign was get Robert Kennedy off of Instagram, get Robert by, Kennedy off of Facebook. By name, not by not, name. Not by and name. it's continued. They've relied upon that, Google and YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, to continue to discriminate against him, including against his campaign, with Google and YouTube, uh, Google delisting for search engines, and YouTube delisting and taking down a bunch of videos, including interviews where he interviewed Jordan Peterson, interviews where he's interviewed by Joe Rogan. And, I mean, almost any YouTube interview that goes up with Robert Kennedy gets taken down. And so it's a continued effort of an in-kind illegal contribution from campaign contribution from Google to the Biden White House that they clearly are doing at the behest of the Biden White House based on what came out in this case. So hopefully his he is allowed to intervene on Monday. They vote. I think they voted Friday, actually, and then they decide on, and then it gets announced on Monday. Okay. So that's a big case. Uh, there's several big cases before the Supreme Court that they're going to be deciding this. Uh, well, we'll find out what they decided this Monday. Uh, give me the trigger words to refresh my memory from the homework that I did, because I, I did read virtually everything that you gave me. So the the uh, there's three. One is uh, we've discussed before, which is my Fourth Amendment case. Do you have a right to throw somebody? Is there an exception to arresting someone in their house without a pro probable cause of a felony by taking them and throwing them out the front door of their house? <laughs> did, um, they, did they announce that they're going to take that? I don't know until Monday. Okay. It's a long shot. I understand it's a long shot. Uh, I, I'm still right on the law and I always use cert petitions to educate the clerk and the courts, uh, because they say they read all of them. I know somebody does up there. And just to say, this is a problem because maybe they won't take this case, but down the road, they'll take another one to fix it. You know uh, but amazing? I'll find out on Monday, whether they'll take that. You know, it's amazing. We've been together long enough that I remember you saying that in 2020 saying like, this is how you you create not persuasion, but you you sensitize people to the ideas that these arguments will be made and you create uh, the precedent, if only by being rejected, but you inform others. And we've seen it in real time. I just can't think of one darn concrete example, but we've seen it. So this oh, yeah. is the and case. It, it, many times it happens by, you know, the uh, you'll see somebody raise an issue in a petition for cert and that cert isn't taken. But later on, another one is. So, like, for example, the problems of big tech, all those cert petitions that went up for the last five years. Got Thomas involved, got Gorsuch involved, got more involved. And that's why we have all these big, big tech cases up before the Supreme Court this year, in my view. If those other cases hadn't come before it, they probably don't get involved in Missouri versus Biden. They probably don't get involved in these in whether Section 230 prevents the Texas or Florida laws. Uh, the reason why those laws came about is the degree to which there's constant activism, including at the Supreme Court level. Uh, but the other two big ones are what is politically controversial, the Sackler opioid settlement, oh, yeah. but more constitutionally consequential, the power of bankruptcy courts is at issue. So, and then the takings case out of the New York rent control laws. Takings case I didn't read, so you're going to have to do that one. But the Sackler, the Sackler case, it's amazing because, first of all, like when you get Rogans of the world talking about it, people realize how corrupt the whole system is. Forget the fact that the Sacklers killed uh, millions at this point in time through a practice of, of over-diagnosing, over-prescribing what they knew was an addictive uh, medication, a lethally addictive medication, but they had their people, you know, approve it with the caveat, it's not known to cause addiction because some one jerk at the FDA approved it, whatever. They get sued. I don't know if it's the biggest criminal settlement. It's, it's, I think they agreed to pay $6 billion, the, the family, the Sacklers, not um, Purdue Pharma, which they own. Purdue Pharma's in bankruptcy, uh, 
it's going to it will be dissolved and 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 uh, you know uh, split up among the creditors as part of the settlement agreement for the criminal wrongdoing of Purdue Pharma which you know it's a company it can only act through its principals who made so much money that they can afford to pay a 6 billion dollar penalty in bankruptcy the settlement uh, dissolves Purdue Pharma and allows for the individual family members to pay $6 billion over 10 years, but precludes any further lawsuit against any of the individual members of the family. Basically, they escape civil and further, no, sorry, they escape criminal and further civil liability under the bankruptcy agreement with the company that they controlled that killed millions of Americans through overprescribing a known addictive and, and, and recklessly dangerous drug. And so the idea here is, can the bankruptcy laws absolve non-party potential uh, creditors in the context of a settlement with a litigant creditor? Explain why that's so bloody important and how it's been interpreted historically and what the question going forward might be. So bankruptcy courts, in my view, have become a hodgepodge of questionable uh, federal authority frequently using that authority to go way beyond the traditional and historical understanding of the bankruptcy process. That they say if it's in any way connected, they assert authority. And then the other problem is there's such a kind of incestuous relationship between the U.S. trustee, the bankruptcy trustees that get appointed, the bankruptcy judges, how they get appointed, bankruptcy clerks and who they get employed by later on in their post-clerkship law, private law practice, and the law practitioners before bankruptcy court, that more than a few people that have gone through it have said they wish they'd never gone into bankruptcy court uh, because they thought it was a place of integrity and fairness and impartiality and a place for discharge of debts and an honest a second shot at things. And what they discover is that bankruptcy courts appear to be very deferential to banks, very deferential to big corporations very deferential to the people that are repeat actors before the court system, uh, often look for ways to strip the estates of existing value to line the pockets of the lawyers that practice all the time in front of bankruptcy courts because their power over an estate is so broad, a uh, tendency to derail legitimate claims against big corporations or powerful people uh, by calling them creditor claims and then you know discharging them on, on bottom dollar terms. I know lawyers that saw it, the system is so corrupt, they left it and became investors in buying up assets out of bankruptcy estates because <laughs> they realized how they could get rich off this corruption. So uh, I'm not a big fan of bankruptcy courts, as anybody who's talked to me knows. Um, I, my experience in it has been very negative. I have not had a very positive experience with the bankruptcy court process. find it too insider riddle. But this case exposed one of the most problematic. Because for those that don't know, one of the principal uh, pharmaceutical companies behind the opioid epidemic, particularly in working class, rural Appalachia and, and old deindustrialized America through uh, from, you know, places like eastern Oklahoma, through eastern Tennessee, up through uh, Kentucky and southwestern uh, uh, Pennsylvania and, and eastern Ohio and large parts of West Virginia and, and western Virginia uh, is the Purdue Pharmaceutical. And they're owned by the Sackler family. And the Sackler family used it, uh, used uh, various opioids that were pushed through a lot of questionable and problematic ways through corrupted doctors. As people are discovering now in the COVID-19 context, mm -hmm. how corrupt the pharmaceutical provider, medical provider relationship is and how it corrupts the practice of medicine and how it distorted their incentives are even worse in that context than the general pharmaceutical context. 
but CVS and Walgreens have been exposed for their complicity in pushing these opioids. I mean, they were drug dealers on, on mass scale. And they used their company, uh, uh, emptied the pockets of their company to make it bankrupt, and then used the bankruptcy court to say, get us off cheap on the opioid problems and force a release onto all the plaintiffs who haven't even brought suits yet, who aren't even creditors, even though we, the Sackler family, are not even debtors. And that's what's up before the U.S. Supreme and Court. Just to explain that, because people might not, not understand debtors versus um, litigants, like the Sackler family in the bankruptcy case, it's the company that has been sued. Is the company is- has filed for bankruptcy protection laws to have its debts discharged. And its debt is the settlement payment um, to and, the well, people. That- in order for the company to agree to any bankruptcy reorganization, they required the owners of the company who could be separately and independently sued for their complicity okay. oh my to goodness. be released in exchange for a capped payment. And the, uh, uh, the one of my favorite petitions, amicus briefs brought in the case is by an independent professor. And this is reminded everybody out there, anybody can file potentially an amicus petition. There's certain rights to do so. There's certain formalities to request it. But I like to see it when ordinary people step up to the gap where arguments may not be fully vetted by other parties for their own reasons. And this professor pointed out there were four core problems with this. Um, and the and three of the four are constitutional. And number one is that the authority for bankruptcy over for federal courts to even exist in bankruptcy is one clause of the Constitution that says Congress shall have the power to set uniform laws on bankruptcies. From that, they've created bankruptcy courts with a bunch of power and jurisdiction over things normally they don't have power or jurisdiction over. So the court, the professor's argument is this has to be narrowly construed by original intent. And that originally, the definition of bankruptcy that the Constitution adopted under original intent was that a debtor could be freed from their debts, not mm-hmm. anybody else. And it can't be used to extend to anybody else. Well, but hold on. Was that before the concept of corporations existed in bankruptcy law? Uh, no, because they still, it was generally general partnerships were the most common. But originally, as an example, at the time of the founding, general partnerships, the general partner was liable and bankruptcy didn't discharge the general partner when another partner got bankruptcy protection. Okay. So the so the logic historically applies to what the professor is arguing. So problem and and in my view, bankruptcy courts have long exceeded their authority and gone way past just clearing a debtor's debts to resolve a whole bunch of collateral matters that shouldn't be resolved in these contexts. They've usually been get out of jail free card for criminals and fraudsters and cheats, in my experience. Uh, and it's been a line your pockets get rich scheme for the connected uh, incestuous parties of trustees and trustees, lawyers and the rest and bankruptcy counsel of certain creditors and so forth. Uh, So gutting this and saying, no, your only duty is to release the debts of debtors. Uh, You cannot release anybody else's potential debts. I think would be a great constitutional ruling that would return bankruptcy courts to their constitutional limits. You're prejudicing parties who might have claims against unrelated uh, all of them under bankruptcy. They're not creditors uh, of their claims are claims against the family. So they're not creditor claims in the estate. They're not debtor claims in the estate. And so then the, the, that raised the second problem, which he said, OK, if we're going to courts are going to have a case or controversy limitation 
colloquially called standing, but the constitutional one is case or controversy. His point is Article Three courts only have can resolve cases or controversies. When no suit has been brought, there is no case or controversy. So he's like, they don't have jurisdiction on those grounds. Even if the court were to say bankruptcy estates can release the debts of people beyond the debtors, surely they can't release the debts of claims that haven't been made yet. Um, I, I just, I picture this, like suing uh, the individuals, you have to pierce the corporate veil and justify going after the individuals. Why would you not have a similar provision to absolving the individuals of the debts of the company? Like, okay, you want, you want to go after them personally. The company could, but all that would do is indemnification which the company would still have to pay. And if the company didn't have the resources to pay, then the individual still have to pay. Mm -hmm. So the uh, that's, and, and the reason here was the individual's direct complicity, their direct knowledge. That's what's unique. The Sackler family isn't being targeted because they own Purdue Pharmacy. They're being targeted because of their personal knowledge about what they were doing in the opioid epidemic. They were using the company to enrich themselves for corrupt actions, according to the allegations and accusations of many. And but that raises the third issue, which is a due process issue. You have people. I, I, let's say you're one of the people injured by the Sacklers. Your right has just been taken away with, from you without notice or a hearing. You're not even allowed to opt out, which is the reason why opt out rights exist in class actions mm-hmm. as due process rights. But that I, you can't take away my property right. Uh, I mean, due process is property and liberty protected. Uh, with that, with by due process of law, that at least requires notice and a meaningful evidentiary hearing. Here, they're getting neither, and so because it's a non-consensual release of a non-debtor uh, of extraordinary scale and an extraordinary controversy, uh, that was really a corrupt deal to cover for the Sacklers, is the bottom line, mm-hmm. and enrich the pockets of the insiders at the expense of the actual victims and the injured. And so, I think on all three grounds. They got compelling arguments that the Sackler settlement is beyond the constitutional authority of the bankruptcy court. Um, and without opening a can of worms, they have been given, uh, they've settled their criminal, potential criminal liability, the individual members of the family. There's no way of revisiting that, is there? Not, uh, not likely, no. On, won't swear. I, mean, I won't, I won't swear. Well, you know, credit to the Sacklers. They knew how to, I mean, they still got rich off, the, off, off pushing mm-hmm. drugs on vulnerable people. Killing people, uh, killing dangerous people. drugs. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the most vulnerable population, people that had already been stripped. I mean, my view is the reason why the system was complicit in all this is first, the system took away their jobs, their livelihoods, their communities in the process, uh, and the basis and foundation for marital life, family life, and community life uh, being the security, stability, and pride that came with those employments. But their way of resolving it was, well, we don't want you to become political rebels, so we'll just stuff drugs down your throat. And that's why I think the system was so complicit. The CDC and the FDA infamously being complicit in uh, green lighting these dangerous drugs onto the public uh, without full and fair notice of addictive risk and problematic public health collateral consequences and and help birth the heroin epidemic because opioid was a precursor of many for many people from getting into one to getting into the other. Uh, and this is now just the corruption of our bankruptcy court system is the process, particularly the constitutional corruption, because this exceeds their constitutional power. And I hope the Supreme Court so finds takes the case and, and resolves it accordingly. The other big case they have would impact all the rent control laws going in concerning takings law in America. Hold on before you get there, Robert, because I brought this up and I meant to bring it up before. It's just Obama making the admission. Come on, here, 
Tell tell us how you were experimenting on us, Obama. What? Hey, COVID. Oh, there you go. Okay, sorry. The fact that scientists developed safe, effective vaccines in record time mm. is an unbelievable achievement. Tell us what happened, Obama. Those pauses. Yet, despite the fact that we've now essentially clinically tested the vaccine on billions of people worldwide. Around one in five Americans is still willing to put themselves at risk and put their families at risk. I hate that man almost as much as Justin Trudeau, but not quite as much because I'm not American and he hasn't been as devastating on my life as Justin Trudeau has. Oh my God, I thought I, thought I, I, thought I didn't hit play because those dramatic pauses just never end. Yep. Holy crap. Clinically okay. tested. Clinically tested. On I mean, billions of was, people. Which, that's called a Nuremberg violation <laughs> when it's uninformed consent. But according to the federal judge in Arkansas, you can't sue for it. Oh you can kill goodness. Nazis if you're a federal judge. You just can't sue them if you're a citizen of America. Um, and you're frivolous if you claim otherwise. That, that, that's a, if you disagree with them, you must be frivolous. That, 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 that arrogance of a, uh, uh, a judicial system that is long turned too indifferent to the interest of ordinary individuals and basic human rights in America and around the world. Uh, I mean, the deep irony of American courts establishing that precedent now turning their back on people in America, turning their back on Americans, bringing those same claims. And again, if, if, the, if a court wanted to say, yes, there's a Nuremberg Code claim, but not in this case. OK, fine. Well, I'll litigate that. But they're saying no Nuremberg claim ever for anybody anywhere if you're an American. Foreigner, yes. Not if you're an American. Well, Robert, uh, hold on. I'll bring it up just because it's on point. Prediction, thanks to Robert and Lexus, Pfizer won't exist in five years. From your well, mouth to God's ears, nice sir. It's to see their stocks fall. And I'm waiting for the stock class action suit that should be coming um, about uh, Pfizer lying to everybody because, uh, like, Obama lied to everybody. But, you know, he admitted it. It was, it was mass experimentation. And that's what Tyson was ordering. Tyson was ordering its employees as a condition of employment. I mean, one of the things that Nuremberg Code said, you can't use fear or duress, or any tool of coercion to try to get someone to be involved in a medical experiment without their informed consent. That's precisely what Tyson did. They said you would lose your job unless you engage, and, and they did it at a time when the drug was an experimental drug, which according to our own federal laws could only be approved if informed consent was recognized. I mean, that's, that's the double love. It's like, it, it says in the federal law, you have to have informed consent, but according to the federal judges, unenforceable. How dare you suggest that could be enforced? Yeah, we can experiment on anybody. Don't you know who we are, Mr. Barnes? Um, and if you say otherwise, you should be sanctioned to oblivion. Uh, these Nazi apologists, which is what these judges are, should be ashamed of themselves. But uh, they want us to be ashamed for exposing their shame. Well, that ain't going to happen. The, uh, but speaking of problematic constitutional rulings, uh, the New York federal courts have affirmed and approved all the crazy rent control laws that got extended and expanded after covid uh, and in the buildup to COVID in some cases, that basically take your property without just compensation. Well, y your property being the landlord's property, not the tenant's property. As far as the tenant goes, this is very good news. Um, we talked about this at the time. This was the moratorium on um, rent payments. That was a version of it. This version of it in New York, they've made it permanent. So once you rent out your apartment, it's up to the tenant to decide how long that lease stays. You can never terminate. You as a landlord can never terminate. 
in only Quebec, the, but uh, unless it's for cause in but Quebec, that, uh, otherwise we, you are lot. The tenant gets to lock in that apartment at that rate for as long as they want for forever. And you can do nothing about it. Let's say you need it for a family member. Can't take it back. Let's say you need it for yourself. Can't take it back. Your property permanently taken, effectively added to regulatory. And all you get is your rent and you can prevent them from a material breach. But <laughs> so, that's it. And even and then you usually have to leave them in for a year. In Quebec, we have something its something similar. Mutatis mutatis is called the right to retain occupancy. So when, when the lease is up, if I decide to stay, I stay. And you can only increase the rent by whatever, 2.5% max if you Same show deal proof. in New York. Okay, so, so what was this, what, what's this case and what's the status of it? It's up for cert or it's being accepted? Uh, it's up for cert. And the, the reason, uh, the, I think it's a very robust cert. The Supreme Court should clarify this. Because it raises two different issues. One is a physical taking and the other is a regulatory taking. Mm -hmm. So a physical taking is when, when the state comes and takes physically your land, legal title to your land, the, or physically occupies it. Uh, the second is a regulatory taking that when by the scope of their rules, they so reduce the value of your property that they, it's e equal to physical taking. Their argument is your right to control, your right to exclude is the fundamental right of property. In fact, when you're taught property law, it's the first thing you're taught. What, what right to property means primarily is your right to exclude others from its use. So there's no bigger example of that than your right to choose who you rent your property to. So that just because I sign a lease with somebody for a month or six months or a year doesn't mean that I've permanently rented that to them. That's not my commitment. My commitment is the term of the lease. According to the Second Circuit, oh, no, once you made it available to rent and once you signed any lease, you forever forfeited your right to control whether you renew that lease or not. You've forever uh, given up your right to exclude. You're, you've, you've given up your right to occupy it for yourself. It's, it's amazing. It is actually how to indiscreetly or indirectly nationalize private property. It's like, OK, well, why would anyone then get into the real estate of residential renting given these regulations? Completely. And so their argument is simple. It's a physical taking, so they should be justly compensated or the law should be struck down as unconstitutional for the absence of just compensation by the state. And secondly, if it's not a physical taking, at a minimum, it's a regulatory taking because it, it takes away entirely a critical incident of the ownership of property, which is the right to exclude. And, and, and basically, is, as you described it, taking private housing and making it public housing is really what they're doing. They're making it a form of public subsidized public housing almost indistinguishable from a public housing project. And they're like, and, but we're not getting compensated for it. We were suffering the disparate burden, which is what regulatory takings often focuses on. When, the, when, when something benefits everybody, but only a small group has to pay the price, historically that can be an example of a regulatory taking. To me, it's both a physical taking and a regulatory taking. Uh, and the Supreme Court should take it, and they should start to reinstate the meaning of takings. Because there's a range of other cases before them, too, about, you know, you can't sue under state laws. We mentioned for takings by one federal court mm -hmm. that's uh, going up to the US Supreme Court. Hopefully they take that as well. But they should reinforce the Fifth Amendment because the takings clause has been so diluted and so diminished to allow the government to increasingly just indirectly do what everybody admits they can't directly do. And we shouldn't allow them to indirectly do what they're directly prohibited from doing by the Fifth Amendment. All right, that's amazing. It's 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 so preposterous. And then you abandon like what they want to compel private landowners to basically abandon their property. If you can't convert it to commercial, you can't raise it and do something else with it. 
all right, give it to the state. And then lo and behold, they've taken your property through regulatory uh, distress. Uh, that's takings. Robert, the egg pricing fixing? What the hell's going on here? Look, I, I read it. I didn't. I don't know the backdrop, so I don't understand who the players are that are fixing the egg prices, how they go about fixing egg prices, what the hell is the in, you know intent and purpose to fix egg prices. But it sent me like reading this, the wrong people were getting the money in terms of the settlement, but I don't know what the hell's going on. So flesh what, it out for us. What it really reflects is a, we, we discussed it previously, but it, it, there was finally a resolution in the case. But what it really does discloses something broader, which is in the uh, farm context, what people don't know, there was a glimpse of public recognition of it during COVID. Like how did we all of a sudden have a shortage of a whole bunch of food essentials? Well, it's because a very small number of companies control overwhelmingly almost all of key food items. This includes poultry. This includes pork. This includes uh, uh, cattle. This includes a wide range of food products to where you're talking about as much as 95% in some instances of a market is controlled by three or four big corporations. So we have corporatized agriculture that is you, the USDA and, and the FDA are in bed with to help them. Like, why do the Amos Millers of the world, have, why are they the target of the USDA? Here you have an Amish farmer that's been making food the same way his family has made it for generation, generations, going back to the founding of the country, practically, in the same part of the country. He makes the food the way his customers want him to make his food. Uh, no one has ever sued him for ever being harmed by his food ever or any fan or anybody in his entire extended generational family. You know, you, you couldn't have a more impeccable record of food safety than Amos Miller. And yet he is the obsessive target of the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture and the U.S. Department of Agriculture. And uh, why? Because you look at where these guys end up after they work for the USDA or the or their local state department of agriculture, they go to work for these big companies that have these monopolies. And the way they got these monopolies is by selective enforcement of the law on your local butcher, your local farmer, your local product producer. And that's why you're not. And then you look at other things. Why is it the Amish have one of the lowest rates of cancer in the entire Western world? Why is it the Amish? have lower rates of all ranges of, of, of disease than, than the ones that have exploded across America. Robert Kennedy keeps asking this question. It's like, why is it we've had this explosion of all these diseases that uh, two generations ago we didn't have hardly at all, now they're dominant. Every American has some big disease that their their parents and grandparents didn't have. Oh, Robert, I'm and doing maybe this. Maybe it corresponds to our food supply no, and who Robert. controls it. No, you have to go to the articles, Robert. Amish longevity may be due to genetic fountain of youth. I'm just looking this up as you're talking. Well, the We're... fascinating thing is this <laughs> Amish longevity wasn't such a longevity generations ago. The it was, uh, Over the, the, the gap between the Amish and, and similarly situated populations has dramatically expanded oh, what a... over the last generation. It's, and it's because the Amish, they also don't use modern technology. They avoid, they don't use cell phones. They don't use, they don't have a bunch of electrical wires next to their, to their head. They don't have microwaves. That's, There's that's, a bunch that's, of other things they don't that's have. That's crazy Alex Jones talk, Robert. But Come on, stop it, stop. Is, 
their food is made the way uh, our gen- our forefathers made it. And it's the way that the USDA doesn't want to allow you to be able to buy from it. Uh, the And instead, and so what, when we see these little egg price fixing cases, they are simply a consequence of how bad the monopoly is. The real danger to the monopoly isn't in the prices or food suddenly disappearing during a pandemic because we have too few suppliers. The bigger problem is our health. Our health is crap because this food is crap. They pour chemicals all over it. And the best way you can uh, resist is you can go to AmosMillerOrganicFarm.com. You can get a range, a range of great products, homemade, right there on that Amish farm. Best food I've ever had uh, is, is the food I've had at Amos Miller. And I've eaten at the best restaurants in the world, quite literally, according to Michelin stars. The best I ever had was the meal in Amos Miller's farmhouse. So the, uh, or at his house right next to his farm. So the, uh, but that's, the, these cases are just a reminder. We have a serious food monopoly problem in America. Robert, does Amish Miller's farm, does their cantaloupe have um, salmonella? That's the question I want to know. This is- No, um, he hasn't had any problem with any of his food products. I know, I, first of all, I, and just so everybody knows, I know that he didn't. That's why I'm bringing this up as, as almost yeah, as well, a sick joke. I mean, there's a food, there's a food recall of big corporate food every other day in America. And yet those companies don't get targeted. Those companies get protected. Those companies get, because that's where these bureaucrats go to work afterwards. uh, The idea that you'd recall cantaloupes for salmonella. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm neurotic to begin with. No more cantaloupe for me. I'll get it from Amos, uh, Amos Miller's almost farms. If I, if I can get it. Oh my God. You can get apple butter. I mean, uh, our members got some of the great apple butter that was done as a fundraiser for free America law center, but there's a bunch of meats he has available right now. We're able to get the USDA to agree that certain meats could be sold. And so those are currently available. We're trying to expand that list. Uh, But, you know, the the government's efforts, you know, had the effect of trying to bankrupt them. And we got to keep Amos Miller afloat out there because for our own public health, uh, because if we're all dying early, uh, it's going to be hard to protect our rights and liberties in the process. Amos Miller, OrganicFarm.com. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, hold on, Robert. I'm going to go to the list now. We got um, the egg price. Okay, fine. So we got the. Oh, we got. Uh, uh, we can see. Well, I, we'll save uh, four for the after party. We'll save three for the after party. The MSG liquor case, the Title IX NIL case, uh, and the Wisconsin ballot case. We'll save that for the locals audience. You can get it. VivaBarnesLaw.locals.com. All tips, $5 or more, we'll set down to answer. Uh, and, but the and- two will. Well, hold on. Finish up N- here with nil does not mean nil. It's a name, image, likeness for Title IX, and it's going to be involving women and volleyball. Yes. So you might want to tune in for that. Wisconsin ballot ruling. We'll do that here in the Venezuelan Guyana dispute. Yes, I'm going to ask you why it's of interest to you. But Wisconsin ballot ruling. Okay, so you'll tell me if I got this wrong. This was uh, a court overturning the ability of whoever handles the uh, mail-in absentee ballots to cancel on request uh, people who say, annul my vote and I want to vote again. This is with absentee ballots. And it's conservatives filing the lawsuit. When I try to understand these things, I have to understand the players to see which way I should interpret this by. Bottom line is uh, someone was pushing a law that would allow people who had filed a mail-in ballot to annul it for whatever the reason, I don't know, and then cast a new ballot. Some conservative groups were saying, this is, we can't do this. It's unambiguous in the law. You can't do this. 
I guess, I mean, you'll have to flesh it out, but the bottom line, what reasons would anyone want to have or have to have to annul a vote that they already mailed in by mail-in ballots? And what's the rationale for allowing it? What are the protocols to prevent double voting? Because I think that would be the biggest risk. And who filed the lawsuit and what's the impact of it for the 2024 upcoming election? So what happens typically with an absentee ballot is sometimes you screw it up when you send it in. And that's called a spoiled ballot. So the clerk gets it. And if there's something wrong with it, uh, maybe the ballot's unreadable. Maybe the letter, maybe the envelope it came in, something went wrong. And basically your ballot, they can't count your ballot for some reason. And what happens is the clerk then notifies you, hey, by the way, we got, there's something wrong with your ballot. Uh, And we're going to destroy this and send you a new one. And you got to do the new one, right? Well, Democrats came up with another theory and they got the Wisconsin Election Commission, uh, which they had enough of their pals and allies on, to change the law so that you as a voter could just call in and say, you know what? You remember that absentee ballot I sent in? Just spoil that one and send me another one. How the hell could that possibly ever be expected to work? Well, it, it worked for a good number of ballots <laughs> within the margin of victory in certain cases, uh, including a presidential election of 2020. And the reason why it was working was the Wisconsin Election Commission gave this advice to clerks. Many of these clerks' offices have been receiving huge donations from Mark Zuckerberg, uh, so-called Zuckerbucks. Uh, to uh, to basically help Democrats win the 2020 election is what it was really about. Uh, and what what people suspect is that it was organized voting efforts. In other words, when that new ballot came back, it wasn't the voter always filling it out. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was what they sh- it was there like, hey, you know, George uh, screwed up his ballot. Send it over here, and we'll get it right for for George. Make sure that this is why you know when you buy ballots. You never know if when they go in and vote in person, whether they kept their word when you gave them the money to go in and vote a certain way. Uh, so, But you could if you controlled the ballot itself. But what happened when the dumb son of a gun went and voted already? Well, you just call in and spoil the ballot. Get it out. Oh, fill it out the right way. Oh, my goodness. So I- uh, a credit to a state court judge, state court judge said, uh, that's not what the Wisconsin law says. The Wisconsin law clearly says only ballots already spoiled can be returned not you get to vote again uh that that's not once you send it in you're done doesn't matter why or how or anything else well the idea is i'm just reading them and i'm saying if you vote the day of you don't get to cancel it the next day so like in theory the same rules should apply to the privilege of mail-in early there are other states voting. where they've applied this to even allow people to vote after election day oh my to say oh i need to spoil my ballot and get it in and it's clearly by organized efforts of people making sure that ballot was marked the right way. M- Mark Elias. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, Biggest no matter, money launderer in America. <laughs> no matter how cynical you get, it's hard to keep up. Lily Tomlin. Okay, so the so good news on that front for now. Does that go to appeal and does it have oh, an I'm impact? Oh, sure. I'm sure it will, yes. Okay. All right. And then the other one, which I know that I know about. Uh, hold the on. last one for this oh, part. We'll, Venezuela? We'll discuss the, Women trying to take apart men's college sports uh, over at vivabarneslaw.logos.com. We'll talk about MSG, Madison Square Garden's liquor license, another case involving a similar judge, same judge in the same prosecutor's Trump case. And uh, Andrew Weissman finally getting sued for being a scuzzbag. So the, we'll discuss all that over at vivabarneslaw.logos.com and any $5 tip question as well. But our last to wrap up tonight, 
Venezuela says it owns Guyana and it's voting on a big part of taking over a big part of it today. A part that just coincidentally has a lot of oil and gold. Before we get there, just going to read one. Thalidomide similarities, anyone. 10 to 20,000 kids around the world. What are the jab numbers up to? The world will turn just as with the thalidomide tragedy once the real truth is exposed. When I grew up, my neighbor was a thalidomide child uh, uh, survivor, my, my dad's age. And I remember like, why, you know, I remember him. Why do his arms look like that? And they said thalidomide. Oh, what was that? Oh, women took it so they wouldn't get sick or feel sick when they were pregnant. Unbelievable. Okay, I, the, the, I'll summarize the Guyana-Venezuela dispute. You'll tell me why it's of interest to you because I couldn't figure it out above and beyond, I don't know, maybe other geopolitical analogies. Venezuela-Guyana share a border. Guyana was formerly a British colony. It got its independence in 1966 or 67, give or take. And the border between Guyana and Venezuela had been drawn by an 1890-some-odd uh, arbitration award committee, whatever, that said, okay, the the border is um, beyond the river. I forget the name of the river, but it's it's a very it's a what's do you, know, do you know what the name of the river is? The river that has the good stuff in it. And so they've lived like that for a long time. Soon to be discovered that there's oil offshore, gold and minerals and whatever in or about the region of the river, Venezuela says, well, we want that property back. And they say, well, the original uh, declaration or court order that said this is where the borders are drawn, well, we should invalidate that because apparently the deciders had some sort of British connection and they were trying to be beneficial to Guyana, a former British colony. And so now we want to challenge the borders to say we own, or at least we should expand into this area that I think there's 150,000 Guyanans who live there. And the UN gets involved and says, we're going to, oh, now I'm going to get, I'm going to forget the details. Bottom line, the UN gets, the United States, the criminal justice thing of the international community, the inter, ICJ, International Criminal Justice, says, all right, um, we're going to get involved. And Venezuela says, okay, well, we're going to pass a referendum and ask five questions to say whether or not the scope of ICJ, the International Court of Justice, should get involved. International, it's, you'll, you'll correct me, Robert, on some of the details. Uh, Venezuela is going to hold a referendum to say what the scope and extent of any international interest should be in determining our borders. The concern is maybe war, whereas if uh, Venezuela votes to say, yeah, we don't want to recognize the authority of the international courts, we believe that the 1899 decision that set the borders, not including this mineral and oil-rich land, involves us or is applicable to us. That's what we want to decide. Uh, and I think that's about where I'm, I'm going to have a brain fart, Robert. Uh, what did I get wrong? What did I miss? And why is this case of interest to you? Well, it might lead to armed conflict. So the, uh, <laughs> the, I mean, the, the, and it's the vestigial history of what law applies in the international law context. Because, you know, going way back, you had this occupied by various tribes. Then you have a Dutch colony. Then you have French involvement. Then you have it become a British colony. Venezuela is a span. It becomes a Spanish colony. Then and Venezuela and Britain cut a deal about property controlled by local tribes, but once claimed by either the French or the Dutch internationally. They kind of agree to an agreement, but it's they, Spain just doesn't dispute certain parts. They don't quite formalize making that part of Guyana clearly part of Guyana. 
Then and so then Venezuela becomes independent. And when Venezuela becomes independent, it doesn't recognize the Spanish limit agreement with the Brits over this territory. Then Guyana becomes independent. Guyana wants to claim it. Venezuela wants to claim it. And they just kind of reach a detente. Don't ever really resolve the border dispute. Chavez comes in. And interestingly enough, it's Castro who convinces Chavez to not fight it for various geopolitical reasons. So Chavez says, ah, it's theirs. We're done. We're going to move on. Maduro comes in, and Maduro is more like Chavez was more of a hybrid figure. I mean, in America, he's kind of caricatured as a socialist communist. He he was he more comes from kind of the left populist realm of Latin politics. He called himself socialistic, but he didn't actually socialize as much of the economy in ways that Maduro has done. Maduro is more of a real statist uh, than Chavez was. Maduro comes in, he's got 100 problems, mismanaging the currency disastrously, got political turmoil from both the left and the right within Venezuela, from domestically and internationally. And all of a sudden, in this old territorially disputed area that goes back to many years of colonist disputes, Venezuela for a period of time was funding rebels in the region against the local government. Uh, and at various times against various colonial governments to try to usurp and uh, power. Remember, Venezuela's Bol- is, you know, Simon, Simon Bolivar, the heart of Latin America's revolution of Latin independence. Uh, to a degree, Argentina's populist right kind of candidate and their new president, Millet, who some describe as libertarian, but my best way of distinguishing it is, you know, libertarians are very li- you know, liberty-oriented uh, or, you know, live and let live on personal moral issues. Whereas Malay, you know, made a presentation on why he opposed certain trans treatment. He goes, and he did it in a very old machismo Latin tradition. He said, just think about it. The only people that are going to chop it off are the ones that have a real small one. Right. <laughs> so that, that was his explanation, right? That's not exactly your libertarian kind of lingo. That's more your populist <laughs> right kind of language and lingo. So, you know, we can't do, let them become trans because, you know, the, the, just because it's small. The, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, that kind of explanation. But all of it's about independence, wanting political independence from these colonial empires. And, then, and mixed into all this, you have a U.S. company because ExxonMobil uh, is, uh, has been on contract to develop the oil in that region. Uh, so you've got U.S. oil companies, you've got old geopolitics, you've got colonial politics, you've got international dispute, you've got Maduro's problems. And it could flare up. The Venezuelans are apparently building up military operations to try to take over that part of Guyana. And, so and, the, uh, really because they found oil and gold there. Guyana is more Caribbean. Venezuela is more Spanish, if I have to yeah, go by demographics. Fact, Guyana, if you look at the biggest growth in GDP before the oil discovery, uh, I think Guyana is one of the uh, best growth rates for personal GDP per capita in all of Latin America. Uh, over the last 40 years, if I recall right. But it's a very small country uh, that's very dependent on foreign support. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll, we'll see what flares up. Uh, Robert, Olivia, I, you know. I, I'm just going to bring this one up because it's it's kind of funny. Slava Guiana is going to be, it's right, it's right here. Yeah replace, be... yeah, replace Ukraine, <laughs> replace it's... Israel, make it all about a little tiny country in Latin America. Oh, my uh, you, you could absolutely. Unfortunately, you could absolutely see another conflict, armed conflict with involving the Biden administration in another part of the world, the, the, uh, though, probably not just because of respect for international law or defending a little guy, 
probably because the biggest interest in Guyana's oil development is a company called ExxonMobil. And uh, look, uh, give, they said it, so give them their word. Venezuela said they would not um, escalate this to armed conflict. They'll, res- they'll wait for the international... They're just holding a referendum in their own country about should we seize that other people's stuff. I always oh, love that. Well, what a referendum. Oh. Should we go seize somebody else's stuff? When, when does anybody say no to that? <laughs> you maybe hurt my neck. Uh, yeah, that's a good <laughs> idea. Should we go seize the oil and gold in the river that has been disputed? Oh, yeah, I know. And, and then when they do it... Who's going to vote no? Who's going to vote no? I, I have a deep, deep oh, concern of human rights and democracy. <laughs> You made me hurt my neck, Robert. Okay, uh, that's Venezuela, Guyana. Uh, t- okay, so now we're going to go over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com. Hold on. Oh, I was going to say one thing before I forgot. So I'm on my way to Alabama as of tomorrow, Robert. Uh, the first stop on the way is Allison Morrow and her husband, Lynn. We're going to stop over there. It's going to be me and one kid, no dogs. So that's the first stop. Second stop, we're going to, we're going to drive. Make sure you tell him in advance because he's probably got like sniper nest, you know, and different things like <laughs> yeah. that. So make sure you know. It, it, there it, might it, be. I, I'm not promising anything. There might be some Viva uh, and uh, Viva and Son uh, discover a shooting range. I don't, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We've got. Uh, you may have noticed the new office. We've got a. We had to swap in the Jeep for a new car because the Jeep was unreliable for long-term trips. So you might notice a new home office in the coming days. But I'm going to stop. First stop is Allison Morrow tomorrow night. Then I think we're going to drive straight to T- Tuscaloosa. What's it called? Yeah, yeah. That that that's the uh, that's Alabama got into the national playoffs, so they're happy about that. Uh, oh, uh, over uh, over Florida State, who's unhappy up in Tallahassee, as a matter of fact. Well, my kid, Ethan, is so damn excited for this trip. We're going to drive one stopover straight to Tuscaloosa. Uh, I, my plus one for the RNC debate is my kid. So that's going to be fun. So oh, is, stay this debate to- in, uh, is the debate at Tuscaloosa? Yes, that's, it's the fourth ah, debate. You know who's hosting? Oh, uh, Megan Kelly. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. dude. I'm, anyways, I'll, I'll meet her in person for the first time. I don't know that yeah. she knows that I'm going, but we're like this. Me and Megan. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. She'll let her know. Yeah, it could be commentary. Uh, do a little commentary afterwards. It's gonna judge be your performance. Uh, how you know? Did she do well? I done better. I am. I cannot pretend to be impartial to Megan because I like her. So you I, know, she, be... I mean, you can ask her who, which one you think she was wearing higher heels, DeSantis <laughs> or Nikki Haley. <laughs> God, you made me hurt my neck again, Robert. Stop it. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com. All of this will be on YouTube tomorrow, Who Gets the Leftovers? And uh, there will be no live interaction. Uh, let me just make sure I didn't miss any super chats. I did a rumble rants. Okay, so what we're doing now. Hold on, I got to get to rumble. Going to end it. vivabarneslaw.locals.com. All week I'll be live from the road, so stay tuned. I'll, I'll be live. Um vivafry.com for merch if you want some merch i'm not going to show pictures you know where to get it come on over to vivabarneslaw.locals.com for the after party where we are going in three two one now i gotta figure out what's wrong with my neck my back everything it doesn't matter this too shall pass i did my put like when i complain about this i still jogged for about five miles this morning and then i did 100 push-ups and i did 100 curls but it hurt and i'll push through it unless doing push-ups with this is going to make it worse all right, Robert, get ready to hold your breath while I read the V. I got to go up and scroll up to the tip ones, load more messages. Okay, starting from the top. Net Jess, Robert, please use your imagination. Assuming Robert Kennedy has all necessary executive, legislative, and popular support, what would he want his legacy to be? Think put me- a man on the moon, 
big, broad, sweeping, permanent changes to America. I agree. I don't know if that was a question, but I agree. Bill Brown, you're not grown until you know how to communicate, apologize, be truthful, and accept accountability without blaming someone else. That's why I think golf is one of the most important sports for a kid to learn because you can't blame anything on anybody except yourself. I'm skipping a couple that are not at the $5 threshold just because they also don't have anything in it. Remember, Ron did not start his run until Trump was charged. Taking advantage of it. That was a $1 from uh, P. Hans. Okay, fans. Larkin, $10. Do these words provide recourse for the American people, Professor Barnes? Hold on. Well, yeah, the right of the people to change their government when it yeah. fails to continue to serve them. So, sounds like insurrection. That's the right of the people. Yeah. Uh, get Pretty Skin, $5. Says, we travel from Maryland to Toronto to visit family members. Does New York Rule 2.13 apply to only residents of New York? Or will it apply to travel? What, uh, what's Rule 2.13? Is that, I, I want to say COVID. I'm not sure but, which one that is. Um, watch Locals on Roku. That's a $1. Okay, well, I'm going to skip it. Oh, there's a... I don't even know what that is. Okay, $5 from Antar24. Are Peter Schweitzer books good to use to learn about the ruling class of a political elite? Robert, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, he got Clinton Cash. Uh, he's done a bunch that are good. Do we have any options to stop this administration? The Senate and House are failing to do their sworn duty. <laughs> duty. And it didn't seem that the courts are going to help. So is there any recourse from Pam Walker? Hopefully Robert, we have the ballot box, but uh, hopefully the courts do step in somewhere along the way. But if neither the courts do nor the ballot box works, then we're really in a post-constitution America, and then uh, all bets are off as to what happens. Yeah, well, I, I know the I know the the actual end to what you just said. If the ballot box and whatever box doesn't work, then you got the other box. Uh, did you see this from Joe Sap twenty three five dollars? And it's from Jonathan Turley. The case against Andrew Weissman. Oh yeah, we're going to be discussing the Weissman case here in just a bit. Okay, good. Uh, the, it's one of our three. Uh, but here's short answer. Remember, Weissman claimed an, uh, another lawyer representing a Trump witness who then came up with fake testimony later with a different lawyer. He said that that lawyer had previously coached her to lie. Well, that lawyer sued. He's like, that was completely false. There was no basis for it. Weissman's on record talking about how opinion shouldn't protect defamation when going after Trump. Now, the problem is he's, the guy sued in D.C. So good luck getting justice out of D.C., uh, but Turley said, other than the question of a D.C. court's partiality, which Turley himself is saying is, is in doubt whether it can be impartial, he said there's a robust claim because it appears that Weissman made a factually specific statement that isn't true and that he knew wasn't true at the time he made it. So it'd be great to see uh, Weissman held accountable. I'm just hold, not holding my breath that the D.C. courts are the ones to do it. But credit okay. to the lawyer for suing him. Then we got Tim Good, $5, says, As Ishe passes, the situation seems to get worse as a result of, quote, get Trump, end quote, and the contradiction in rulings. The weaknesses in corruption in the courts, uh, in the courts occurring for all to see shows how dire the situation will become if SCOTUS ever becomes tainted by some of the other lower courts. If this happens, we surely doomed with only perhaps one course of action remaining, the course of action faced by all those who participated in the founding of this country. Vrooman says Dr. Naomi Wolf and Steve Bannon knew all about the Pfizer international, uh, internal documents at least a year ago. What is they Had them reviewed by volunteer experts and all disciplines and published the results. I believe Paxton is aware of this and explosive information uh, of the drugs effect, uh, drugs effects on pregnancy. Yeah, well, we know, but we know, we know what's coming with that. Can Twitter users who interacted with Trump legally go after Twitter for giving Jack Smith their names? 
Did Smith have a no. legal right to defend him? Why not? Uh, I mean, he shouldn't have, but the, the corrupt federal judges in D.C. Uh, allowed him to do it. So that oh, immunizes Twitter from any legal suit. You can't sue uh, a company for complying with a federal court's opinion. And, and you can't expect, you can't ask them to fight it in a way that they didn't. That was from Don's Correct. wife. All right, Tim Good, $5, says, I am now wondering if artificial intelligence judges would make better judicial decisions. Yeah, they would. A thousand they percent. Would. thousand yeah. percent. Uh, Junkman611, $5, does Robert, and Grob- uh, does Robert and Grobert still believe Schellenberger is a spook. I don't know anything about that. That's a Grobert. I know has talked about it, but I honestly don't know the background of that, so can't speak to it. I have. Oh, my... I, I've liked the work Schellenberger's done on censorship. I don't know anything about his prior pre predate prior I, uh, history. I was pulling up my phone to do something, and I forgot what while I was multitasking with the chats. But I'll get back to those. Uh, Quarter Native says there's a Washington Post investigation overdose deaths. Viva, I hope you speak with someone in the chronic pain community about this. There's much more to the anti-opioid propaganda. I'll open it and I'll read it. But I uh, tell you right off the bat, uh, Washington Post, I'm already starting by thinking it's total bullshit. But I'll read it with an open mind. John 80s music. You sent me an album and it was good. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's the food because when I was a kid, all the school's special ed fit in one short bus. Okay, and then we well, got. I mean, to- just that you have a bunch of kids now who qualify who didn't before. You've got a math. That's the other thing. There isn't a big spike in autism in the uh, Amish community. Mm-hmm. There is everywhere else. I mean, something. I mean, the Amish community is the control group that drives the system mad because they're the alternative. The, the people that are not involved in big technology the people that are not involved in big corporatized agriculture. And they're much, they report much happier lives and much healthier lives than the rest of us. And that raises real questions about what's going on and what our government's keeping secret from us. I'll say for, for the six year differential between the Amish community and America at large, if I get a happier 78 versus, I don't know what would be unhappy about an Amish life. I know I'm addicted to certain things like, social media and computers but you know the six years that's 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 it's good it's 10 percent or eight percent on a on a on an average lifespan it's, it's not nothing sindels or that is cindy one s ten dollars says if trump gets convicted will he have to go to jail or house arrest we've talked about this or like uh, on any and all case although well, they'll, they'll turn the white house or they'll turn mar-a-lago into a prison that's what they'll do <laughs> Uh, we got the shadow nose, Simon, Simon Bolivar, always getting credited for the achievements of Jose de San Martin and Manuel Belgrano. Um, as an argy expat Argentinian, big, uh, big sad. Also, Arkansas judge would fit right in with the Kirshner run in Argentina. Yeah. XOXO XO is from a uh, AH Orlando. I will not be in Orlando tomorrow, but I'll be passing through Orlando to pick up a child to go to Alabama. And stop at Allison Morrow and Lynn on the way. Ursula G, it's okay. I'm seriously frustrated with locals. Yeah, the locals has been having some issues tonight or today, so don't don't hold it against them. Sad wings raging five bucks says, "What's the what's this about some New Zealand vax whistleblower getting arrested?" Robert. Yeah, so Steve Kirsch disclosed some information, and supposedly the people who are the source of it have now been targeted for arrest in New Zealand. Shut up. That's all I know so far. Jeez, Louise. Uh, okay, so hold on one second. We got one more here. Oh, we got more. Uh, that's the arrested. Bender is great. That's uh, undoubtedly a Futurama reference. Did you see that Seth Rich records are being released 
What does this mean and what could it lead to? So I, I, I heard about that. They're, they're not being released. What's the name of Vaughn Disclosure, Robert? Do you know what that is? Yeah. So they're, they're being forced to disclose more information about what they have. And hopefully okay. that will lead to the disclosure of what it is that they do have. Okay. And, and basically it's, it's not detailing the documents, but the documents that they have. Right. Um, I think they killed Seth Rich because he was the one who leaked it to Wikipedia. That's that's what I personally believe. No shame, and I'll, I'll admit it. Samantha J says an AI judge would not rule better necessarily. It depends on how it's programmed, and then you always oh, have to be always. Of, yeah, and who's controlling the programming. And I would think it would be Rhett. I'm like, you you hear a dog barking? I hear a dog barking. I don't know why. Harder to show the bias than with the current process. I would trust AI regardless. Yeah, of how I would. It's programmed. Human. Yeah. So All right, now, Robert, what do we have for the last uh, two uh, questions? Oh, two yeah, and someone asked about the Nevada 2024 primary versus caucus. Um, I don't know what the latest on that is, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Okay. The uh, uh, Title IX. Uh, so NIL. what's happening is – Name, know, the... image, likeness. I was re- When I saw Title IX, Robert, I thought it was a trans issue against women's sports. No, this is just women's volleyball at – what's the university? Oregon. Oregon, saying we're not getting treated – uh, commensurately with men's volleyball, it was it was volleyball, right? Or no, men's football. Football, okay. Because volleyball might be different. Um, and they're saying basically that men get better treatment and whatever. Is this a case where it's revenue generated in that the men, it's market driven? So all, if all the sport, it, it generally in college sports in America, the only money maker is men's football, and men's football is a huge money maker. Every other sport of uh, even including men is usually a money loser outside of basketball for some programs. So every women's sports, a money loser. The, uh, and, and so, but the only reason these women's sports exist is because of title nine. What title nine really was, was a redistribution from poor working class men uh, in terms of their background to upper middle-class men and women uh, whose sports would never be subsidized at the level they are, but for, these working class men who dominate men's basketball and men's football. And because of the rules about antitrust laws, they, they now have to provide compensation to these players in name, image, and likeness, uh, along with they provide other amenities that, you know, locker rooms, private travel, all those amenities to try to recruit people and get an edge. And now the women are saying, unless we get treated exactly the same, it's like the women's soccer claim. We should get paid as much as the men's soccer team. Uh, why? Nobody goes and watches women's soccer. It's nowhere near as interested as men's soccer. Men's soccer brings in way far more revenue. In fact, the women's soccer team was getting a higher share of the total available revenue for women's soccer than men's soccer was of, of men's soccer revenue. So, uh, but, you know, it's, it's a misapplication of Title IX. But if some court goes along with it, it will completely eviscerate the ability of schools to meaningfully compete. And it will create its own litany of issues. If, if you can't provide uh, special benefits to the players that are mo- people are most interested in providing benefits to without providing the same benefit to women in the same number, then you're going to completely eviscerate the ability to provide that financial compensation. And it will further undermine amateur athletics in general. But it's, it's the problem with Title IX, in my view, is it's been misapplied in this context. It was not. It's equal pay is for equal uh, equal work. That's what. Remember when, when well, uh, somebody asked Trump, "Yeah, you know, will you will you pay for equal work? Yeah, for equal work. But if it's not equal work, you're not going to get equal pay. You get well, paid but, based on the quality of the work, not based on what gender you are. And, and but they're to, demanding equal results. 
Well, that but not even to be cynical. Equal work does not even uh, equal. Um, does, <laughs> it's not equal to equal revenue generated. So hypothetically, exactly. Here's your work. Do it, and whatever you produce, you'll get a percentage of. So you might be doing equal work, but not generating equal percentage. But then it might be institutionalized patriarchy. Nobody wants to watch women's football because of misogyny. I thought it was volleyball, which oh, no, it is. it's women's volleyball against men's football. So the and so you know, there's just not. I mean, the uh, the, the the only interest in sports at the collegiate level that brings in net revenue is men's football consistently. A little bit men's basketball. But it's like you see with the WNBA, it, it loses money every single year. Well, hold on, but I mean, they just isn't interested uh, because women's sports doesn't dominate. Well, but hold on, um, but did they compare women's volleyball to men's volleyball? No, women's because volleyball I, to men's football. Yeah, but okay, so now I'm just asking the obvious question. I would never watch. I'm sorry, I don't want to sound like a misogynist. I would never watch either of these sports or any of them. I would imagine that many men would say, I'll watch women's volleyball over uh, men's volleyball every day of the week, but not women's volleyball over men's football. They're not even comparing uh, apples and apples here. This is apples right. and yes. something else. It's an attempt to piggyback off the extra cash that men's, that finally poor working class kids are getting some benefit uh, for the value they provide the marketplace. And upper middle class women are demanding that they steal it. That's how I see the suit. All right, and Robert, what's the what's the last one we have for the night? I think. Oh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> so you're. So, uh, people, <laughs> people may not remember the background of this, but the uh, what happened. But as the same judge presiding over the Trump case, who just rubber stamped everything the Attorney General wanted. But what happened was the Madison Square Garden went after uh, targeted lawyers to prohibit their entrance to the venue if they'd ever sued them. I've sued Madison Square Garden over its vaccine mandate. So I might have been one of those lawyers they entered into the biometric system to make sure I couldn't enter Madison Square Garden. But their liquor license was granted on the, because they were, quote, open to the public. Mm -hmm. In other words, not a private members club, for example. And, and the argument was they're no longer open to the public if they're discriminating against lawyers who sue them. And so probably, those, probably some of those lawyers are probably the ones that initiate all this. So now their liquor license was in jeopardy. The Court of Appeals, uh, they tried to stop it, saying that uh, the liquor board doesn't have any authority to do what they were doing, this attorney general in this case. The judge, same judge presiding over the Trump case, just rubber stamped everything the attorney general wanted. The Court of Appeals said that they're, they're, they do have authority to investigate, but they had been issuing subpoenas without a hearing and said, no, you can't do that. That, that there the judge was wrong. The attorney general was wrong. You have to stick within the rules. You can only issue administrative subpoenas when you actually have a hearing to be presided over. You don't have just broad subpoena power outside of that. So they, they limited the scope of it, but Madison square garden looks like they may have to pay a price for their, uh, attempted to discriminate against lawyers who sue them. Amazing. Um, Robert, there's been, I, I, something got refreshed and there's a lot more chat to deal with or to address gray one oh one five dollars says King versus Brownback. Do American courts still uphold the right of plainclothes police to seize the wallets of citizens, then assault them for fleeing the scene? Do you know what they're talking about there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, forfeiture laws need to be robustly uh, uh, restricted, and they still are uh, too liberalized in, the, in American jurisprudence. Well, we've got Jarzy $5 has arrived late for tonight's show. The CDC is a joke, but there's a quote, not new end quote virus going around in China. Again, CDC said we should be worried. I'm not, it's so, it's so crazy. Like I'm not worried and maybe I should be worried. Who knows? We all know China lies. Do you think the USA will restrict people coming in and going out of China? Robert? 
I think their ability, I think they, they probably will pass some travel restrictions, but, or put in some travel restrictions, but I don't, I think there was too much blowback for them to try to redo, yes, uh, redo it again. And especially with Kennedy on the ticket, it's, uh, presents, or Kennedy running as an independent presents an ongoing risk if they go down that path that it, that it boosts his support. So I, I think that will be enough of a deterrent. I think they would have loved to have done it again. I just don't think they feel they're in a position they can in the current yeah, environment. They're the government that cried wolf. Matt Hammond says, watch Dope Sick on Hulu. Michael Keaton is a small-town yeah. doctor involved with distributing the opioids to Purdue and Pharma screen grab. That's uh, true. Got- I heard it was really good. I'll watch that. J.S.C. J. Sepan, $10, says, during the 2020 election, period, one, USPS scan retention dropped to a few weeks from six years. Google Mail was deleting all my USPS notifications with those scans after a few weeks. Three, I noticed my daily USPS scans were displaying the text inside of the envelope. Any legal links risk to Google? No legal advice. I say, no legal advice, Robert, don't do it. That's that's, that's the hedging of the bet. Uh, Freddie York says, five bucks. Do yourself a favor, hit Archibald's barbecue. Noobs are going to recommend Dreamland. Locals knows better. Screen grabbed. 10 bucks from Grunt 167, Nebraska's women's volleyball team and UConn's women's basketball teams. Basketball yeah, that, make a yeah, profit. There are a few scattered individuals. Like there's some lacrosse teams that make money. There's a few across the country. But as a, on a general basis, they don't. Now, Lynn Westover put in a $20 rant and it said, what the heck? Where did it just go? It said, here's some gas money, buddy. And that is Lynn Westover, who I'm going to be seeing tomorrow night. Um, okay, and we got... Um, Matt Hammond, watch Hulu's Dope Sick. It's about Purdue Pharma and the small town doctor, Michael Keaton. Okay, we got it. Uh, going up, Grunt, Nebraska's Women. Okay, we got that. Freddie York, do yourself a favor. We got it. Okay, so we got that. Where was Linz? I, I, I'm not bringing them up, so I can't see them, but I know that I got it anyhow because it just refreshed out of the screen. All right, Robert, what's your schedule for this week? Are you going to go get uh, threatened by a judge again? I'm working on the opposition <laughs> to that. Or that He gave me 10 days to respond, or he gave Lexus 10 days to respond. The uh, by the uh, a giveaway that of a potential source of bias. I mean, I know Tyson Foods has a uh, we have a reciprocal dislike of one another. Um, uh, I've sued him more than anybody, probably more than any individual lawyer in the country at this point. The uh, because of their horrendous behavior, in my view. Uh, but the judge made reference to the lawyer as being he, even though Lexus is the only plaintiff's lawyer in the case. So I think he thought he was talking about me. And hadn't even realized I was not the lawyer in the case. Lexus was bringing the case, but uh, the you know, but it's a it's, it was it was a little clue, a little giveaway uh, that of the judge's potential bias uh, uh, in the case. Uh, sadly, you can't even rule out whether ex parte conversations have taken place mm-hmm. in these kind of cases. The uh, I'm sure Tyson would like nothing more than I mean, lawyers that used to work at his firm now work at Tyson Foods. I mean, there's a lot of connection there. And maybe that's all just one coincidence, big coincidence. Maybe there's no tie to him and Tyson. Uh, I doubt it, frankly. But the uh, but so I got to I got to work on the opposition to that. That that's uh, and the other briefs too. But the that will be one of the ones because the judges use that to try to set set up multiple attacks. They try to get you attacked in one court so they can then get you attacked in other courts so they can try to get you attacked by state bars. Uh, that that that's and it's why so many lawyers don't touch these cases. They know judges don't like him, and so judges will attack him. The more dangerous part of the ruling is uh, is saying you can't sue for religious discrimination unless the judge agrees that your belief is religious. Mm-hmm. That that that's that's yes. a new, and this is solely done to protect vaccine mandates. That's clearly what's taking place here. 
uh, by pro-vaccine judges. And the uh, and some of these judges are complicit and culpable in the deaths and disability of people like inmates they refused to allow compassionate release to because they hadn't been vaccinated. Then they went and got vaccinated and suffered an injury, in some cases, death. So the judges are neck deep in this nonsense. Uh, and they're covering for themselves as well as their corporate employer pals. Uh, but, you know, the uh, and they're, they're accustomed to threatening somebody and the person coming in all shaking. You know, that's no, not going to happen. And not not to be um, by just to, you look at a young woman and you think they are easily intimidated by a big, bad old judge. And and yep. I, like, as a young man in the practice, I was intimidated by judges. I mean, they, they tell oh, you, to shut, up, easy to you shut and, up. And they're, and they're set up to be. They're designed to be. And they're uh, they're totally shocked when anybody pushes back against them. They're they're totally unaccustomed to it. So like I mean, I mean the, uh, the, the I mean this is like if I raise questions about his ties to Tyson, I'm sure he'll attack attack me for that. So the I mean so that's the uh, that's the way they deter uh, exposure of their conflicts of interest or you know it, uh, the recusal standard is just the appearance of partiality. Uh, if I was a blue collar person who just got screwed over in this case, I, I would definitely question this judge's uh, impartiality, uh, given his ties mm-hmm. or apparent ties. Uh, but, you know, it's the nature of it. I've been through it. I mean, judges have tried to threaten to put me in jail before. Yeah, I've been you know, through this you, many times. So. You've been through it. but Get in line. But Lexi you know. is a young. Forget the. Oh, yeah, part. yeah. She's yeah, uh, young. Yeah. People are easily intimidated by old. But people she, she, she Yeah, she's uh, uh, unusually well steeled. So the uh, I, I think she'll she'll, she'll be uh, she was less rattled by this than I was. I was enraged. I spent four days enraged. <laughs> the uh, I really was. I was just steamed, steamed. I mean, I knew even though I knew this was coming, it was just so corrupt, so rogue, so abuse of power from this self righteous prick uh, that you know de- denying rights to some of the most vulnerable people while pretending to be a democratic advocate. What a bunch of hogwash. Um, the uh, so you know the. Uh, uh, well, we're going to fight it all the way through. Well, we'll, and, we'll... and I, I made the joke. Uh, you can kill a Nazi, but you can't sue a Nazi. We'll not make it onto a shirt or a mug anytime soon, unless, yeah. the, unless the community demands it. But Well, it, well maybe we'll put, it, we'll put a quote <laughs> from Judge. We'll name him. From Judge so-and-so. He, how dare you think you can sue a Nazi? Welcome to Arkansas. The, uh, the, uh, the, that, 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 that's who this judge is. Usui Pig is right. All right, we're ending it now. So I will be on the road, but I'll be doing the streams daily regardless. Uh, I'll be with Ethan, who's going to, uh, he's my plus one. You might to want to stop in the, you know, in Montgomery, they have where the, I think the Fried Green Tomatoes restaurant's still there, where they based the book and made the film. It's right by the train tracks. And Hank Williams Sr.'s house is a museum. It's a beautiful little place. Uh, we, you, get gonna... a, you go out, you look at the road, and the road looks like Lonesome Road. I mean, you can see where he came up with that song. Just you can think of that little kid, Ethan's age, looking down that road. And that's what inspired a lot of Hank Williams Sr. songs. Well, I might ask you to give me an itinerary. We don't oh, sure. have all, all the Civil time. Rights Museum is really nice in Birmingham. Uh, the uh, there's great there's great barbecue in Birmingham. Too. There's great barbecue all the way across the state of Alabama. I could go for some ribs right now. Uh, we'll do it. Robert. Stick around. We're going to say our proper goodbyes. You uh, have any appearances on Duran or anything this week? No, not this week. Okay, awesome. Um, you just got to deal with fucking corrupt judges. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> All right, stick around. Exactly. We're going to say our proper goodbyes. Everyone on Locals, uh, see you tomorrow. See you this week. Um, and uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Go. Peace. Peace.